Hello, it is Aaron Rodgers Tuesday, November 24th. It's a good one. Uh, I mean, let's just get right to it, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. And although our bets might be icy cold in this office, we can observe and report. And what we saw last night was something that was a bit startling. The Los Angeles Rams, hell of a win. Hey, hell of a win. Hell of a win, by the way. Hey, Sean, take your flight back from Tampa to Los Angeles and say, you know what? You did good tonight. That was a hell of a win by the Rams. And I think we all agree that if Jared Goff doesn't have pressure on him, Jared Goff is going to play well. And is that Jared Goff? Yeah, he has to be able to make every throw. But I do believe Sean McVay's offensive wizardry does help out whenever a team doesn't get any pressure on the quarterback. He's going to be able to scheme up something to get somebody open. Now, that's not saying that their players aren't making awesome plays and the defense had two big turnovers against Tom Brady. And they. what I'm saying is I feel like that team if you don't get pressure on Jared Goff you are gonna lose and whenever I say that Jalen Ramsey Aaron Donald who by the way had nothing on the stat sheet last night Ooh, is that right shout yeah. to AQ Shipley uh starting center for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Woo! who yeah. uh, looked like he almost died there at about two minutes left in the game <laughs> I did call him this morning he is not dead okay oh, he's he Good. is alive good God. I, and while I was FaceTiming with him he was walking around the house okay nice. so so good things are happening with him I believe it was potentially a stinger he uh, he I, but maybe I don't know yeah I'm not a doctor I just want to let you know I talked to him this morning he looked good Aaron Donald Brockers and the boys up front they're also a hell uh, Aside from last night where they didn't really have that big of an impact on Tom because A.Q. Shipley and the boys did so good, that defense is able to eat if they want to. I mean, they got dogs back there. They got a great defense. And if you don't get pressure on Jared Goff, the offense is going to be able to move. They got a kicker now, Matt Gay, which uh, Sean McVay said he's jacked. He's yoked up. He has a really interesting swing. It looks like he's just kind of chilling the way he kicks it with Johnny Hecker. That team, I think last night, made a lot of us go, oh, that's a damn good team. And Jared Goff, normally gets a little bit of a knock on him okay normally people are like yeah, Jared Goff is a, a certain type of way and I think that's because most of the time whenever the world watches Jared Goff it's on prime time and usually if they're playing in prime time they're playing against another good team and that other good team probably has an ability of getting to the quarterback last night they were able to protect Jared Goff and he was able to make plays but sometimes in prime time games Jared Goff gets accosted in the pocket and that causes him to be a little bit of a bad decision maker or three and out and makes the offense look bad so what I'm saying is even though they didn't have Whitworth at left tackle, they did a hell of a job protecting Goff. And that makes me ask one important question. What the fuck happened to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense? Uh, that defense. Now, Jason Pierre-Paul made a couple big plays, had an interception, Goff threw two. So, I mean, there was some plays made. But just a few weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago, maybe a month ago or so, we were talking about how good the Buccaneers defense was. Because you got to remember, this is the second year Todd Bowles has been down there. Last year, at the beginning of the year, they were terrible. They were a very young defense. Then towards the end of the year, they ended up being like top 10 defense in everything. This year, starting the season, it felt like that defense was raising hell to their opponents and playing great. Last night, Goff was sitting back there very comfortable. A Buccaneers defense that we talked just uh, about a few weeks ago as being the reason why the Buccaneers are going to go on a run because the offense with Antonio Brown, Gronk, Godwin, Evans, Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, Tom Brady, that that offense is going to get going eventually, but the reason why they're going to succeed in the playoffs is because the defense absolutely causes mass havoc. Now, after watching a few games in a row, and even with Winnefeld coming back, their defense is not anywhere near what the New Orleans Saints defense is. Nothing like it. So whenever you talk about the NFC South, you have to ask a lot of questions. 
Are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers dead in prime time? Ooh. Okay. Are they dead in prime time? Yep. Is Tom Brady not 100% in sync with his wide receivers here going out of week 11 where you would hope that they would at some point be able to tie it together? I think you can ask that question. Is Tom uh, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers a little bit rattled and not where they want to be right now? Yeah. But who's going to win the NFC South? You have to go with the team that has the best defense. And the Saints' defense is so much better than the Buccaneers' defense. Now, do we want to do we want to say Tom Brady – you know, through a, a terrible pick to end that game last night, mm-hmm. over through yeah. Cameron Bright. He's only like one of whatever on deep balls for the last couple of weeks. He has an interception. Yeah, he's one of six with an interception passing 15 yards plus down the field last night. Ooh. That stat does not look any better when you look at the last like three weeks. It's always been bad. You got Bruce Arians saying, well, guys, we're open. You just got to hit him. And you think to yourself, like, would Bill Belichick even say shit like this <laughs> nope. about Tom Brady? No, he wouldn't. But Bruce Arians has said, hey, he thought uh, Byron called a good game guys just gotta execute there's guys which is the classic coach speak of hey we fucking had the right plan players didn't do shit whenever they say execute that's the whole thing and whenever bruce says all this stuff we appreciate it because it seems like it's probably true if you're watching the same game if you look at the all 22 or whatever the hell it is it seems like that's probably accurate but you immediately have to think like is tom ever going to go to bruce like hey hey why don't listen I'm happy to be here, okay? I'm happy to be down here in Tampa, okay? Mm-hmm. Not paying not paying any state taxes, goddamn it. Oh, weather's nice. Before I came down here, I met with the guy that owns the Lightning. They won a Stanley Cup, no big deal. I met with Bill Gates and Jeter and everybody. We're building a town down here. Listen, I like Tampa a lot, but could you just stop with the whole everything you say after games, basically? <laughs> it's interesting because you would expect BA not to bury Tom, especially with the conversation that was happening in New England, but it seems like every single game something goes wrong. There's a burial of Tom Brady publicly. Mm-hmm, yeah. And I, Tom's tough enough to take it, right? He was able to handle Bill Belichick chewing him out in team meetings for 20-plus years in front of everybody. And I heard some uh, former teammate of his say on TV, it might have been ESPN or Fox, where Tom allowed Bill Belichick to chew him out in front of the rest of the team so that the rest of the team knew, like, hey, I'm taking it, everybody. Tom could have stopped that a long time ago. Tom could have asked to be out of there. Tom took it for 20 years now. He did want to leave. But Bill never publicly would say, we're on to – all he would say is we're on to this. Uh, we need to get better on first down, second down, third down, fourth down. Uh, what else? Uh, we just need to do this. It, Tom, Bill Belichick was the – Bruce Arians was come out now on numerous occasions and been like, fuck, quarterback stinks, dude. What do you want to do about it? So it's very interesting to see how that plays out. And I was heavily on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. Still kind of was all the way up until yesterday, and I'm not saying I'm giving up on them right now because there's still a lot of football left, and they're going to make it into the playoffs. And Tom Brady in the playoffs, I think, for whatever, even though it's not with the same team, and maybe Bill and Tom should have thanked themselves a little bit more for what they had going on together mm-hmm. as opposed to apart now, realizing that the grass is, might not be greener at the current moment. But Tom in the playoffs, you assume he might be able to beat somebody. Now, if their defense can't get pressure, won't be able to do it. So you can't absolutely give up hope. But, boy, that Saints defense watching it the other night and then watching Tampa last night, you automatically think to yourself, like, the Saints offense, it doesn't matter if it's Taysom Hill in there. It doesn't matter if it's Drew Brees in there. They are going to do well. In Jameis, by the way, Jameis got a big dub for them playing in a half football. Mm-hmm. And Sean Payton's six and a half and oh, uh, with quarterbacks other than Drew Brees in the last two years. He's wow. very good. But the defense is the determinator in this thing. And I think the Saints defense is so much better than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense in that do the Buccaneers defense have a chance to turn around? Maybe. Not 100% sure how you do it. But that's what I took away from last night. Rams, great football team. Okay. 
They have to give their quarterback time. Sean McVay flying back to L.A., having the time of his life. In Tampa, yeah, the offense can't turn the ball over like that, obviously, and you have to be able to move a little bit better. But that defense is not what we thought it was. They actually are who we thought they were Mm. last year at the beginning of the season. They're going to have to figure that out. Pierre Paul, by the way, is an absolute freak, that Mm -hmm. guy. Absolute freak athlete, hell of a player. They're going to figure it out on the defense side of the ball. At Tone Diggs, uh, we all lost gambling last night. Oh. Over-under was 48.5, ended up being 51 mm. points, obviously. Uh, we hammered the Bucks. You liked the Rams, but you didn't put it out as a pick yeah. on hammered Don. I actually liked the Rams yesterday, mm. too, but since I was so cold, I decided to fade myself, mm-hmm. which there in turn... I think my myself knew that I was going to fade me, so it gave the wrong. I am on a cold schneid right now. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to get off. A.J. Hawk, very hot. We'll talk yeah. to him at like 1 o'clock. He's, he's gone two underdogs straight up without the points. Let's go ahead and make this money. But the under didn't hit, you know. Oh. The boys are making plays. Uh, the Bucks didn't cover, obviously. Mm. It was a rough night of gambling. In week 11, we just need to bury the game ball, I think, and move mm-hmm. forward. But what did you see from last night, Diggs? Bury the, bury the game ball. And, and from last night and, and from this weekend, it's super sad. And I assume all NFL fans have the sentiment. It's very, very sad that Bill and Tom are struggling. Like, we just don't like to see that <laughs> as NFL Aww. fans. Those are the last two people we want to see struggle. Are you bummed out about Tom. it? Super bummed out about those two stinking. Very yeah, well, it does yeah. feel like uh, Bill Belichick just lost to the Houston Texans who don't have a coach. Okay, mm-hmm. Romeo Cannell. Shout out, Romeo Cannell. Yeah, but they lose. They lose to the Houston Texans who don't have a coach. And Tom Brady, you know, has has some failures going on. They're seven and four right now. By the way, start out really hot. Seven and four. They got mm-hmm. a bye week coming out, which is good. Kind mm-hmm. of an older team, maybe get a break or whatever. Okay. Uh, but. There are numerous games behind the Saints right now. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And also, football level, there are numerous levels below where the Saints are at right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a Buccaneer backer since the beginning here, yeah. I am a bit alarmed with the NFC. Now, we'll talk to a guy here in a couple hours who has a team that has a two-game lead in the NFC North. Uh, and now, granted, that defense is going to have to show up, too, in the playoffs. Right. You look at the Niners, by the way. Niners going to run last year. You know why? Because their defense is so goddamn mm-hmm. good, yeah. right? They make it to the Super Bowl because defense. The Saints' defense look like that type of defense. They look like a great defense who's going to smother an NFC opponent, and that might give the Saints finally an opportunity to make a run at it. Mm-hmm. But not so fast, my friends, because in the NFC you got a guy named Aaron Rodgers. So. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah, I'm very excited to see what he has to say today because this game on Sunday against the Bears is a, a huge game. I mean, like they're not, you know, they don't look that great right now. But if, I mean, that's a big game in the NFC North. Bears defense really good though. Yeah, very, very good. Very good. Very Bears good. defense very good. can take over a game whenever they want. Now Absolutely. they could also not. Yeah. Right? yeah. Okay. I mean, there's both. But if you're Aaron Rodgers preparing for this game, it's like okay, they got a very fucking good defense. Okay, mm-hmm. we have to figure out how to beat them because even though their offense hasn't been anywhere near a good NFL football right offense. <laughs> They could get going. They could. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And that's a lot of pressure on old Aaron. Hey, Aaron, if you don't score against this prolific defense, mm-hmm. there's a chance you lose to the terrible Bears. That <laughs> is a wild. Guys aren't good. I mean, yeah. Yeah. everybody watches again. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Please, yeah. You're right. For how long? That's why just as a fan, though, like I, I'm, you're not worried about it at all because they haven't even announced a starter yet. I mean, mm-hmm. like who knows who's going to play quarterback, well, and does it even matter? What's going to happen is Mitch is going to announce his name. He's going to run out of the tunnel. There's going to be nobody in the stands. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone behind the TVs are going to be yelling. Yeah, yeah. Um, Two weeks of game film, though. Bears offensive line also dog shit. They cannot run the Terrible. ball. Which is, yeah. which is good news for the Packers defensive mm-hmm. line. Huge. On another game that's coming up in a couple of days, Steelers-Ravens. The Ravens 
Uh, J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram test positive yesterday. Mm-hmm. Okay, after their game on Sunday where mm-hmm. they looked very bad at football. Well, not very bad. They lost their Titans, but there was signs of trouble in Baltimore. Now there's even more positive mm-hmm. tests coming out of the Ravens. Who knows who they are? Who knows how this affects Thursday? But there's a big Thanksgiving turkey bowl in the AFC North between the Steelers and the Ravens, and more Ravens are kind of getting knocked off mm-hmm. here. Who is it? Do we know anything about it, Diggs? Do, do uh, we have any updates on who's got the vid? And by the way, ooh. we hope all of them survive. As of yesterday. Fuck the football. Yeah. We just hope they survive. As of yesterday. Yes. Thoughts and prayers, first and foremost. Season mm-hmm. peace. Health, Season is peace. Well. Mm-hmm. Health is wealth. Takes all of mm-hmm. them. If you die, you can't play football, so let's worry about not dying first. That's right. J.K. Yeah. Dobbins and, and uh, Mark Ingram, ah. Brandon Williams, their nose tackle, was at as of yesterday. And then this morning, about 20 minutes ago, there was tweets that there have been more positive tests today, but we don't know who they are yet. Hey, mm. if that is a locker room that hates their coaching staff, <laughs> okay, and I'm not saying they do. I'm just saying mm-hmm. if it is, it'd be a lot easier to not give a damn about the protocol yeah. if you're like mm-hmm. you know, fed up with a, a group of people. And I'm not saying that they have. I'm just saying there's been a couple things that have happened that make you think that maybe the players and the coaching staff aren't on the same. And I'm not talking about the defense, right? I think the defense in uh, – uh, Van oh, – what's his Wink name? Martindale. Wink yeah. Martindale. Rob – Rob Van Winkle. (laughs) (laughs) Watch us change the name. Nothing rhymes with Winkle Dance, which is a lie, by the way, by Jim Carrey in that skit. A lot of things rhyme with Winkle, but Tinkle. Mm -hmm. It was Sprinkle. Wrinkle. Finkle, definitely one. He played a character. But the um, (laughs) fuck. Oh, yeah, the Ravens. (laughs) The Ravens, it feels like there's a chance the offense, okay? The big trust, woo-woo last year. Mm-hmm. It feels like they're not loving the culture as much yeah. as they did in the past. Mm. Harbaugh's out there fighting an entire team. Okay, nobody mm-hmm. goes out there. The statements uh, by Hollywood Brown and, and by Lamar. Now there's some protocols probably being broken. It's like, is all hell broken loose over there in Baltimore? And do we fade Baltimore going forward? I think we have to at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would assume that the Steelers, who are minus four against the Ravens, which is crazy because – the, the Buccaneers were minus four last night against the Rams. So that's wild. The Uh-oh. Steelers are minus four against the Ravens. Ravens have, who knows, out alongside three starters. This feels like you hammer the Steelers situation. But AFC North football, you never know mm-hmm. what's going to happen. Yeah, you it's never hot. know. You really don't. You really don't. It's hot in the kitchen in the AFC North. I would fade the Ravens after Thursday. Don't do it Thursday. No, I'm fading them. Yep. Hey, I, this thing's got to get hot again. Big time fade. This yep. thing needs to get hot again. A lot of people are saying this is potentially like a Clemson-Florida State situation uh, for Thursday night, what the Ravens Ooh. are doing. Hey, by the way, awesome shit between the coaches, Mike Norvell and Dabo Sweeney. Dabo's saying that Florida State basically forfeited, and they use COVID as a disguise to say we don't want to play Clemson. Mm-hmm. And then Mike Norvell coming out and saying – uh, coaches aren't doctors. I'll listen to what the fucking doctors say. <laughs> Dabo, Sweeney, or whatever. That was very interesting because that was one of my locks of the weekend. 35, yeah, I think they're favored by or whatever. They just get done losing their damn. There's a chance that that team's going to come out and blow the absolute doors off of the Florida State mm-hmm. Seminoles. But, hey, somebody traveled with it potentially, mm-hmm. which could have lingered into every uh, player on the team, which then could have won over to the Florida State team. They got to do what they got to do. It's just like Temple this past weekend. Temple players' <laughs> girlfriend tested positive day of game. Ooh. Okay, How do they know that, by the way? I mean, and, if, they, and if you're her, you should probably wait till after game that it get tested. Well, I'm just saying. How, <laughs> they get tested as well? How does the – how do they – did she get tested on like a Wednesday just randomly and then she told her boyfriend and her boyfriend was like, hey, uh, my girlfriend got COVID. And they're like, stop the show. Hold on. 
Okay. Get the fuck out of here. You need, <laughs> you need to get out of here. Also, we need to call East Carolina and tell them everybody needs to be tested immediately. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of interesting shit going on at this stage of the season. Ole Miss just stopped their uh, football for four weeks. It will resume <laughs> December 7th. Yeah. What? Just paused all football activities. Yeah, I saw it as a ticker yesterday. Apparently, they hate Mike Leach, too. So That's Mississippi State. Oh, my bad. Other one. Yeah, Lane, Lane Kiffin. Kiffin. Lane, Lane Kiffin. Kiffin goes, fuck it. Stop it. Yeah, Remember, with it. We talked to Lane Kiffin before the SEC season started, and he was uh, just reading a list of all the ways that this could be fucked up, by the <laughs> yeah. way. He was like, I've talked to other SEC coaches. Numerous of them have told us uh, that there's no way they could play a game this weekend if they had to with the way these protocols are. Uh, I'm looking at my players. They're getting this. They're not allowed to do this. And I'm getting paid and told to go beat Bama. So, I mean, there's there's a lot going on now with these, you know, positive tests, communication, postponement of games. I mean, with this Ravens thing, it, how many more with the contact tracing if you think any of the contact tracing is accurate science or whatever, how does only two have it than three because you're around each other so much? I don't know. A lot of question marks remain in this whole COVID game. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody knows. I would Could. assume for the NFL it's because they know we need NFL football yeah. on Turkey Day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah. you can't have all these guys. and then Because, like, at what point would they actually – Oh, get- so you're saying these tests aren't – no, I'm Legitimate? just saying, at what point would they oh. actually cancel the game? I don't think they're going to do that anymore because the 49ers had exactly. how many people out against the Packers? After that and... 49ers-Packers game, I felt like that was basically the NFL saying, like, hey, listen, the show's going to go on. No Remember, what. the NFL said this in June. We do not care about uh, competitive fairness, fairness yeah. or whatever to mm-hmm. the teams whenever it revolved around COVID. That's why early, whenever they were rescheduling games and moving things around, I think a lot of the NFL people were very surprised by this because the practice squad was supposed to be deeper, the workouts were supposed to be deeper, and we were told that competitive fairness does not matter. And then as you start looking at that game happen, mm-hmm. the Ravens game happen, maybe that is the mindset. Like, hey, we got Super Bowl scheduled. Yeah, we got the hotels for four weeks after. We that's for us to hang out in. Yeah. Okay, that's for old commission. The show goes on. That's a three week vacation yeah. for old commission afterwards down there in Tampa, where it seems like their stadiums are the only ones that are filled anywhere. Mm-hmm. Wait, Florida's so- like, come on in. <laughs> you want to cheer for your squad? Come on in. And every commentator is like, kind of nice to have the buzz. I'm surprised they're not told in their ears. Is it nice that people are dying? <laughs> like as soon as they say it, I'm surprised because every commentator, when there's a little bit of a crowd, they go, really, really nice to have a little buzz. Feel the there. energy. And in I here. would assume immediately afterwards, it's like. Is it nice? <laughs> Quarter of a million people are dead. <laughs> is it nice? Uh, what I said moments ago was actually false. It does not feel nice. It's terrible. It feels dangerous. I hate it. <laughs> so no eating turkey at Viva Lazito. What do you mean? Uh, Thanksgiving game. Are they not going to do the turkey thing? The turducken? Yeah. Uh, the turkey leg yeah. game, player of the year? They can't do it. No, Did they always to. do that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, I, I never, like when we played, there was no chance any of us were going to win it. We just jogged in there and kind of tried to get out of there as fast as possible. You know what I mean? There's a picture of Big Ben just gnawing on a big turkey leg. So they can't Lucas do that Oil Stadium mm-hmm. after throwing for 500 yards. <sighs> Yikes. Jesus. That hurts. Did he throw any better balls than me that night? Probably no. not. I think he had a deep ball down the right side to Antonio. Yeah, but it was wobbling. Yeah. I threw Hey. You watched the replay back. That was maybe the tightest spiral I've ever thrown in my entire oh, life. Yeah. yeah. Was that the first or second time he threw for like 400-plus again? Second, yeah, okay. second time. Yeah. Oh. We should have known it was coming. We, we did not prepare for it. Because <laughs> Lev Bell was playing running back. Wow. The other oh, one was boy. in Hines, and Marty Bryant went off, I remember. Yeah, he did a front flip in the end zone there one time. Ooh. Yeah, it was awesome to watch. It was really cool, yeah. yeah the alien. <laughs> We lost by 400, and then they sent Antonio Brown out to return punts in the fucking fourth quarter with four minutes left. Fucking asshole, Danny. Hey, 
asshole out there doing it. Some, somebody showed me the highlight or whatever. Like, Antonio Brown, also a really good punt returner, and then the video of him just... <laughs> mm-hmm. And if you look at the bottom, it's 30-4 to four or something like that in the fourth quarter with four minutes left. Come it's like, on. why is this guy in the game, Danny? And you just got this special teams corner and chew his gum on his side like, fuck McAfee. <laughs> I know you guys have given up. We haven't. We're going to try to ruin your entire year right here. And they did. And make a gift that lasts forever. And by the way, another thing working against the uh, the Ravens on Thursday night, Steelers will be wearing Color Rush. They uh, are undefeated uh, in Color lady. Rush, except for one game. And that one game was when we were there and Duck was a quarterback. But Why aren't they wearing the Bumblebees, dude? They, they, yeah, they retired. Back. They retired him? I think so. People didn't really like him. I did. At Bring v- him back. At Viva Lazita, what is the poll for the day? We got one right here. Oh, yeah. We got, we got one a bumblebee. It's yes. a bumblebee right here. That's very nice of Steve. We should send that because we talked about it one time. Now, they could have drafted me, and that could have been real, but could have chosen not to. Son of a bitch. Very, very nice of them. Uh, attaboy, Foxy. There, there, it, is. there it is. Hey. Foxy. <laughs> <laughs> I struggled there. I was looking at seven different cameras. Um poll today do you think tom and bill secretly miss each other question mark okay uh so right now absolutely not 10.1 percent 12.4 percent is no 37.3 percent a little bit i'm going backwards this time did you notice no, that no, you're doing good cool. thank you and 40.2 absolutely by the way you did that mm. the right way yeah yeah what do you mean you, you led to the leader mm-hmm. yeah oh no no i know that but I was doing the percentage before I announced the name. Oh. I switched it up today. Oh, I switched it up. At Viva Lazito, by the way, the poll was right yesterday on what we should have bet on. Yeah. They had Rams and the over. Both of those things hit. So shout to the people. Maybe getting right back on the, uh, uh, the right side of things for gambling right. as we continue to get cold. <laughs> Do you think Tom Brady and Bill Belichick secretly miss each other? Such a good question. Such a good question. Great question. At night. Head down, just had the avocado ice cream. Mm-hmm. You're laying on what, like 40 million count, thread count? Yeah, sheet just about. With probably some, you know, Egyptian god things <laughs> in there. Silk. Silk there. Oh, yeah. Laying your head down aside. Right before, you know, Giselle just fell asleep a little bit or uh, something like that. Uh-huh. And you have that moment to yourself. There's no TV in there. No way does Tom Brady have a television no. in his. He's, there's no TV. Pitch black. Mm-hmm. Okay. No sound at all. Film's off. Film's off. You're just laying there, Tom Brady. You think he goes, I mean, Bill Belichick would have fucking been able to figure this out. <laughs> For sure, right? Absolutely yeah. and then he, not. Then he closes his eyes and he goes to sleep, wakes up the next morning and tries to bury those thoughts as much as possible mm-hmm. and move on. Bill Belichick, he's laying down, okay? On his couch in his office. Yep. <laughs> just got done watching film. Yeah, his bed, you mean. Of the offense. <laughs> and nobody's in there. Okay, the NFL films camera somehow isn't there with the do your job thing. He's just, you know, he's in there all by himself on that terrible couch. Guy's made probably $100 million just sleeping on a terrible couch in his office. Mm-hmm. And there's moments there where he takes a dry erase uh, marker while he's laying down and he throws it up in the air and he catches it, you know? And he throws oh, yeah. it up in the air and he catches it. And he goes, God damn it, I wish fucking Tom Brady was here. <laughs> and then he throws it in the trash can, and then he puts the covers over his head, and he goes to sleep, wakes up the next morning, tries to push those things away. I bet that happens. Oh, yeah. I bet that has happened at least five to ten times this year for both of them. No way. Yeah. Bra- Brady's throwing to Mike Evans, Godwin, Antonio Brown, and Scotty Miller, Rob Gronkowski. He doesn't want to be in New England throwing to Jacoby Myers, Isaiah Ford, and Zubin. Zubin Mahendi. Yeah, but I mean, they say Zubin. When Zubin <laughs> gets Zubin, there's a problem yeah, for yeah. everybody. Absolutely, but Dante Moncrief started for him, and he was just coming off the practice squad. That's I my mean, guy. He's throwing, he's throwing to nobody. Just 
it's not. Dante Moncrief is somebody. Yeah, absolutely. But he's not Godwin or Evans or AB. Tom doesn't want to be in New England. And honestly, I mean, I don't think we're any better if Tom's in New England. He's still throwing to nobody. And we're still running the ball 35 times What does that have to do with Bill? Bill. (laughs) Everything you just said. What I'm saying is, we we probably, we, you talking like you're fucking Bill Belichick. Oh, yeah. Probably two and eight if we have Brady. At least with Cam, we can run the ball. Cam leads the league in rushing touchdowns. And COVID. No, he doesn't. No, No, he doesn't. No, it's clear. No. That's what you think. No, he. And by <laughs> he the way, he only spread it to one person, right? Uh huh. I think there's a couple teams who. I mean, Tennessee had 22 people get. True. I mean, look yeah. around the league. The Raiders. I mean, their whole entire yeah, I mean, defense and O line. How did he get it again? He got a half Nashville. Uh, uh, what's that? I thought he went to Nashville for a hat. Who Cam? Yeah. Potentially, that's the story we'll stay with. Yeah. Not the one we heard. Uh-huh. <laughs> the one we heard is awesome for Cam, obviously. Mm-hmm. Similar yeah. to the Ravens situation, I'm sure. And similar to the Marlins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. That was a big train. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not true. We're Amtrak. Talking. Yeah, yeah, it's not, it's no. not what we're talking no. about. Play travels. But all that stuff, I would assume that they, you know. I mean, whenever Tom, and Tom would ever say this publicly, obviously. And Tom and I have had, you know, one interaction on Twitter. So. Right. Great glasses. I don't know where they are. He was wearing them on Monday Night Football. Oh, like, as he walked into the stadium. Look good. <laughs> it was like a fucking commercial yeah. for the Cluse brand or whatever the hell it is. Uh-huh. Cluse Brady collab or whatever. Oh, yeah. But whenever he sees Bruce, you know, in these post-game pressers, like, you know, guys were open. We just couldn't hit him or whatever. And, you know, uh, Mike Evans should have caught the ball. He just chose not to. And, uh, <laughs> but, or, or he just chose not to throw to him the ball. Or, you know, if we could execute and maybe understand the offense a little bit more. All these comments that are coming up. I bet you Tom's sitting there just looking at him. He's like, this motherfucking guy. Yeah. yeah. How many times is this guy going to keep saying things? But then he'll come in and say, hey, I enjoy criticism. It's the way it is. That's part of one of my great talents is that I've been able to be coachable for 20 years here while becoming a GOAT. But there has to be a little bit. Of, I would assume on both sides, like – we had a good thing. We fucking ruined it. We had a, egos got in the way. We had a good mm-hmm. thing. We had a good thing. You got to think Tom turns on the film and he's probably seeing the same thing BA's seeing. You know, the only difference is that Bruce is just telling everybody about it and Bill <laughs> would just keep it to himself. What just popped up on the screen there? I see we had some stats of some sort. Pretty good stat. Uh, oh, yeah. Per Next Gen stats from NFL Research, Tom Brady was 0-6 with two interceptions on deep passes against the Rams. We saw somebody say one, but okay. NFL Research says, oh, Brady is 0 for 19 on deep passes in his last four games in Missed on his last 22 deep attempts. Jesus. That's the longest streak for any QB since 2017. Weeks 14 to 17, or weeks 1 through 7, Tom was 14 of 39 uh, on deep passes. Weeks 8 through 11, he's 0 of 19. Three interceptions. Weeks 1 through 7, he had two touchdowns in that span with zero interceptions with a passer rating of 101.2. Last three weeks, his passer rating on deep balls. Zero. Wow. That's tough. Is it smarter for the Bucks to get the five seed so they can play the NFC East instead of the one seed? And- right now, they're right now, Taste a Little Treat. If the playoffs started today, they'd play the Green Bay Packers. Ooh. Oh, shit. Taste Whoa. a Little Treat for everybody. Well, and by the way, that was the Buccaneers' defense against yeah. the Green Bay Packers that mm-hmm. we were like, hey, this defense is going to be problematic. They were in Aaron's grill. I mean, they were jumping passes. They look like a completely different team defense mm-hmm. that, that week than they have since then. What? A couple games ago, was it 21-zip, two minutes into the game? 
And not that it was all the defense's fault, but I'm just saying there was not a single stop for a, a field goal. There was not. It was like 21 nothing before the game even started. It was like, well, Buccaneers are dead. Yeah. They're absolutely dead. It's been wild down there. Not how any of us could have expected. Mm. Let's get to a phone call here before we get to our first break. one eight 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 mad dog 6 By the way, let's go to Michael over there in Paris, France. Uh, bonjour, Whoa. ça va, Michael? Uh, bonjour, ça va? Uh, ça va, comme si, comme ça, you know. Mm. Uh, hammer ice cold day. You know, nice. <laughs> wee wee. Wee wee, yeah, yeah, yeah. To a uh, audible of football? Hmm. Oui, oui, oui. I'm actually to a American, parlay so football. I have a question uh, about speaking for you. She doesn't Why are you living in Paris? Don't they hate us over there? I mean, I've been over there and they hated me over Smells there. Too. Oh, you're in Paris, uh, Texas? Uh, no. <laughs> no. Paris, France. It's it's quite it's quite amazing, you know. Uh, I'm from Overland Park, Kansas, where your uh, uh, your intern Matthew McConaughey uh, uh, answered my phone call. He's from there as well, from what I understand. You? Oh, you're calling him. He's saying, yeah, uh, <laughs> all, right, all, right, all, right, "All right, all right, all right, all right." He answered and said, "Hey, Michael, where you from?" And I said, "Paris." He said, "All right, all right, all right." That boy, man. That's actually pretty good. Is, are you really in Paris, France right now, or Paris, Texas? I don't think. I think I spoke over you there. No, no, I am in Paris, France. I moved here with my wife. She's uh, French. It's my off season in America, so I'm here. Oh, no. Do, do you, you love it over there or hate it? I love it. It's awesome. Come on. Never heard you. somebody say that before. Never, ever heard somebody from America say And that is not me. There, I assume that there are some really good people, but I've never really heard an American say, you know what? Went to Paris. Loved it. Great people. I mean, it's beautiful over there, obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of history. Croissants. But I, you're the first person. I feel like I've talked to numerous you uh, big into art and museums and stuff like that because the Louvre is there, obviously. Oh, yeah. The Arc de Triomphe oh. is over there. Oh. You know, I've been to Paris myself a few times. Yeah. I've never... Michael, you love it over there. Yeah, yeah. All the architecture and everything is just uh, the chef's kiss. But I'm, I'm a big rugby fan. Rugby is big over here, so mm. it fits well. Okay, well, the food stinks, it, except for the hot dog in the baguette. I Great. love the hot dog Ooh, in the baguette. That yeah. thing was unbelievable. Car, now, this oh. is me, not you, Michael, obviously. I have much different tastes than you. You seem to be a much more cultured and sophisticated man, and I've met some cool people from France. It's not me saying that. I'm just saying normally you go to – this is interesting. You're an anomaly, mm-hmm. I do believe. What do you want to talk about? Oh, that French uh, I just had a question about uh, what kind of teams NFL players and NCAA kickers use. Um, I'm a rugby player, and me and some of the boys were kicking today, and they asked me about American kicking tees, and uh, I wasn't too sure what types of tees you guys use because in rugby um, there's all different types of tees that hold the ball different ways and at different angles, and most of them are created by some of the world's best kickers. Um, So my question for you is what type of uh, tees do you guys use, and is there going to be a PMI uh, kicking tee since you are one of the household names within the uh, the brand. Oh, huh. Hey, au revoir, Michael. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Very nice of him. Uh, not Grazi. Messi. 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 Not Messi. Boku. Yeah, to Michael. <laughs> Messi. Boku yeah. to Michael. Uh huh. Yeah. I got chased down a street by a fucking street vendor in Paris. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You smell bad? I tried to buy some ice cream or whatever. Uh-huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Two people working the ice cream little vending thing. All right? Just got done with the game. Two people are working in there. I'm having full conversation with guy. Okay? Guy, French guy, talking to me, 
takes my money. I give him like, uh, I think it was a buck 50 franc or whatever. Okay. Uh, a buck 50 francs uh-huh. or whatever the hell it was. It was before they went to the Euro. So I give him the francs, which, but they might still be on. I'm not 100% sure. I give him the money. He goes back. Other guy comes up now asking me for my money to pay. Okay. So I go, no, no, I paid that guy. That guy all of a sudden doesn't speak any fucking English. Whoa. Oh, no, 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 no. Doesn't speak any uh, English. No. So I go, I'm not. I, by the way, I think I'm like 13 at this point. Same exact human I am now. I'm not fucking paying again. Okay. So I, I walk away. I'm walking down the street, get chased down the street by guy or whatever, as drag, almost like drags me back. And then I go, I paid you. Did I not pay you? Now there's a little bit of a, a spectacle because I'm okay. from an American soccer team coming over there, right? So now we, there's there's a little bit of a spectacle. Guy finally starts speaking English, and then we kind of get shooed away. I was treated like that basically everywhere, by the way. Did if, you get your dipping Dots? If, if you were, it wasn't dipping Dots. It was yeah. uh, soft serve. Oh. It was soft serve. It was Man. pretty good. It was right there. I think it was in front of the, um, the uh, uh, Notre Dame. Ooh, the yeah. church. Yeah, Ceylons. They yell, by the way, through that whole thing, if you oh, make yeah. any noise. But they're yelling Ceylons in there. Mm-hmm. Very interesting over there. Mm. If you want to know how people feel about Americans, just drop me right into the middle of the country because I am the stereotypical American, and I'll be able to tell you immediately upon landing how they feel about you. The French did not like me at all. Even as a teenager, uh, whenever, huh. did not like me at all. And guess what? The Irish fucking hated me. Really? Yeah, I thought I was going to really? be like welcomed home like I was a hero. Patrick McAfee, the boy had done good out of Cork County or County Cork. No way. Stupid Yankee. I got called that more in Ireland than anywhere else on earth. Been to Morocco, had like a celebration for me earlier. Ooh. It was really nice. Got pickpocketed. You would know, too. You got America written all over you. Oh, yeah. As soon as I land, if you would like to know, just go ahead and pick me up. Like, I think the government should potentially do that, you know, with whatever's going on with uh, relations, international relations. Just go ahead and pick me up and drop me in the middle of a city, and I'll be able to tell you within three minutes how they feel about us. I hate us. Hey, how's it going? Fuck you. All right. So this. Check this one off this the list. Is this is Ireland again. <laughs> this is Ireland again. I couldn't even get a beer at some places in Ireland. It was insane. Jeez. Yeah, it was you wild. get to the Eiffel Tower in Paris or no? Yeah, it's a long walk. We did the. Um, it is. A, it's a beautiful city. It's a beautiful. It's a very mm-hmm. nice city. Yeah. It's so old. You yeah. Know what I mean, so, oh, so yeah. much history. Everyone's hacking bots too, right? Oh yeah. yeah I think oh, it's yeah. all Europe though. Oh. I think that's like a big Europe thing. The food though was so bad. I mean, it was just. It was so so. You don't bad. like snails? It was so bad. Over that's there. cargo. And the people are not. I mean, this is my experience, but it feels like every time we. Talk Talk. Anyways, I've never heard somebody say they like Paris. Shout out to Michael from Kansas or whatever yeah. that yeah. is in Paris. And maybe our our international relations with Paris will come around because I saw a couple wee wees in the uh, oh, nice. in the chat. It's great to know that since I'm 13 years old, that's 20 years ago. Things are a little bit different. There awesome. you go. We have to clarify a story that kind of captivated us and took the world by storm this morning. Strength and conditioning coach Marcus Paul of the Dallas Cowboys, although it was reported by Sports Illustrated Now reporter Mike McAllister that he had passed away. He has not passed away. He is in the hospital undergoing further treatment. We apologize for furthering the uh, tweet in the news that was broken by Mike McAllister. Obviously, that is not a cool thing to do. Not happy about it. We tried to do our research. It was retweeted by prominent people and spoken about by prominent people in the world that knew him and knew of the situation. We thought that was the case. Turns out it was not. So we would like to know the the Marcus Paul, his entire family and everybody down there, our thoughts and prayers are still going your way. Good wishes. We apologize for perpet... Per... 
Perpetuating. Perpetuating. That's right. Right. Perpetuating a story that wasn't true. We thought it was. uh, That's that's on us. We should have done a little bit more research. Maybe reach out down there. But T's and P's to Marcus Paul. We're pulling for you, by the way. Guy's not dead. Good news. Yeah. Good news. Good news. Come on now. Joining us now is the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, a uh, man who threw for over 300 yards, a couple touchdowns, three touchdowns uh, this past Sunday in an overtime loss to the Indianapolis Colts. Ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah! Here we go, yeah! Whoa, new background. What happened? Where we? What happened? Was the overtime loss that bad? We moved. We moved. We're in a new room. What's going on, dude? Yeah, menu. Menu change. Oh, oh no! Can't hear you. Can't hear you. Rich Eisen got all the clear audio there. We we couldn't even hear what you said. This is unbelievable, Aaron. Is this your office here? Did did the audio not work? Yeah, it's like cutting in and out. We might have to call you back. Maybe it's probably on our end. I would guarantee yeah. it's our fault, not your fault. Why am I hearing? Yeah, that's what we're talking about. Uh-huh. Yeah, we got yeah. to call you back. You look good, though. Want to let you know the office looks good and you look good. Uh, what is that? His office, AJ? Have you ever been in that? What is that? Yeah, that looks like his office there. His Green Bay house. Bro, I walked into Peyton's office one time. Whoa. <laughs> I walked into Peyton's office. I went to the bathroom first, which was... So he had an event gathering. It was supposed to be happening in the living room or whatever, you know. And I was like, where's the bathroom? They're like, down the hall or whatever. I go to the bathroom. There was these incredible PM napkins after you wash oh. your hands. Ooh. I, I was like, that. need a couple of these because that also... Yeah, works oh, me yeah. as well. <laughs> I'm going to put one of these also in my bathroom. <laughs> you know what I mean? People are going to think that I have custom. And then I go over across the hallway was his office and there was no way i was supposed to walk in there the amount of i mean mvp trophies obviously Ooh. you have the lombardi in there then the pictures with people the office was just it was very uh humbling and, and normally very successful people say things are humbling because it makes them realize like how much work they have to continue to put in to be where they're at for me it was very humbling because i looked around in an office that i would never be able to build <laughs> so this place is awesome uh joining us again from his office ladies and gentlemen aaron Rodgers. Yeah. there we go huh are we working now? Yeah! yeah. 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 Woo. Woo. Okay, good. <laughs> I saw the intro there, and I actually heard the news as well that, uh, you know, they, they had pronounced the strength coach down in Dallas that he had passed, and he hasn't, he hasn't passed. That's correct. Yeah, that's interesting. It's, that's one of those situations. Whenever you hear that an entire schedule has been canceled in the middle of the day, non-COVID related, you automatically assume something big happened. And then when that news came out, it was like, all right, that, that would make sense. And it's incredibly sad. But I guess he is in the hospital undergoing further testing. Uh, obviously, we hope that all works out. Mike McCarthy uh, down there. Is he the right guy? We talked to AJ about this, how he tells stories about his family, and now we're hearing stories about him with a watermelon and a sledgehammer the night before a game. Your thoughts on that? Uh, and also, what type of message do you think Mike McCarthy sending to the team right now? Uh, yeah, you know, I think Mike is definitely the, the, the right guy for situations like this. You know, uh, I feel like he always had good messages in times of adversity. Um you know, I did always appreciate and then would encourage him when he would ask me what I thought he should talk about was to speak from the heart because Mike's got a big, huge one, and he, he's, a, uh, he's a big teddy bear underneath that uh, Pittsburgh toughness that he has. Um, yeah. So I know that uh, you know, he'll be able to send the right message. I'm not surprised uh, about the watermelons. <laughs> 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 I, I think it's uh, – it's it's awesome. Uh, Mike would mix it up 
uh, from time to time. Never smashed any watermelons, um, but he was always uh, switching up the messages from year to year, from week to week. You know, and, and theme of the week, having different guys speak, uh, generals of the week, he would call them, and um, so I'm not, I'm not surprised by that. I bet that was uh, was it something to see for sure. How juiced do you think the room would have been if Matt Klein, who was kind of, you know, he had plays a big role in Green Bay still. Matt Klein would have just, I, I mentioned earlier in the show, brought out a wheelbarrow full of watermelons and a sledgehammer. Like, that room had to explode, don't you think, down oh, in Dallas? My God. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people have been uh, confused at first, but excited about what was going to go on. I'm hoping that Big Mike uh, smashed the first couple, though, um, to kind of set the tone. You know, I hope he didn't pass them off to, you know, Rob Davis or Joe Philbin or somebody that smashed the first one. I hope it was, you know, Mike wielding that thing and beating the hell out of it. Um, let's talk about your game, okay? Seems like maybe LaFleur should gla- grab a sledgehammer and a watermelon maybe this upcoming week. Big game against the Bears, okay? Divisional game. You guys still have a two-game lead in the division, which is a big deal. But anytime uh, the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers lose a game, especially if it's on primetime, the whole world's going to talk about it. Your thoughts on how Sunday went? Thought you played well, by the way. He just want to let you know. Thought you played really well. I picked you in our survivor pool mm-hmm. against our uh, thing. So, uh, you know, I – I, uh, I ended up losing that, but it was uh, the game was an incredible game. It was a lot of fun to watch that game go back and forth. Now, granted, didn't end how you guys wanted it to, but that felt like a, a playoff matchup almost. Yeah, I think it felt like that. And, and just to give you a, a small piece of advice, uh, Pat, as a best friend, um, you know, if you're going to pick us in a survivor pool, maybe uh, when I come on the show on a Tuesday, you should uh, throw out some positivity instead of uh, these threats about. Uh, <sighs> Uh, you know, uh, 53 for the Colts. I know! Uh, I pissed them off! I know, I know, I know, I know. Uh, we had a, you know, uh, uh, we had a nice, uh, Darius and I had a nice little uh, conversation during the TV timeout. Um, they showed think, that. How'd it go? What was it? They, oh, they, they, they showed that? Yeah, they, they, they showed it. Lip, was there a lip reading that went on? No, nobody guessed at what you were saying, but it looked like it went po- more positive, I think, than a lot of people thought it was going to. How did that conversation go? I, I just I wanted to see if he was actually sensitive about it or not, um, because as I mentioned to him, I know Fred. I've known Fred <laughs> since he was a pre-drafted uh, guy, and uh, I don't know him. I had never met him. I never played with him against him before, so uh, I had nothing uh, to go off of based uh, other than his film, uh, which was impressive. Um, but we had a you know a nice little thirty-second combo, and I felt like. Uh, it wasn't the ill will. Had there been, I, that would have been fine. I think it's it's part of the game. If uh, somebody hates you or you know wishes you uh, not to be well, that's fine. That's part of the game. But uh, I think I was just gauging where he was at uh, mentally. And I didn't, feel, didn't feel like there was a ton of animosity, just a personal uh, desire to uh, change my opinion, I guess. The thought of you testing the water here for every decision you have to make going forward when you're running is so funny. It's like, all right, is, well, is this guy going to try to Greg Williams me and potentially rip my head off, or is he is he kind of not that mad? He's a good dude, by the way. Hell of a player, too. Yeah, he is. He really is. He's a, he's a great player. I, uh, late in the game, had a – you know, they wouldn't show up because uh, I play for the Packers, but um, I had a pretty, pretty sweet uh, no-looker. Um, to Devontae on the last drive that uh, 
I'd kind of set up for a few plays because Darius is so athletic side to side. He loves reading your eyes. And I just kind of came back and looked left and then looked outside him on the right and threw it behind him to. I'm so thankful Patrick Mahomes brought that into the NFL. I know. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Good for him. Yeah, I know. Since none of us have been doing it for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I will say this you know, a guy who, who probably doesn't get anywhere near the credit. Brett. We're doing shit like that all the time. Uh, he wears number nine and plays in Detroit. Okay. That dude, what he does with the ball, it's impressive. It's really, really impressive. And, uh, you know, I know Dan Orlovsky will highlight some stuff from time to time, sure, because they play together and they're good friends, um, which he should. But that dude is throwing crazy no-lookers all the time. Like, uh, and he can throw from any arm angle. Like, I don't think he gets you – know, maybe it's Detroit. Maybe it's, yeah, you know, stink. based they on, stink. you know, they haven't, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they, stay, they just got yeah, lost twenty to nothing to the Panthers. They just lost twenty to nothing to the Panthers. I mean, that's... I know, I know, I know. But he, you know, they had they had some guys out. Pat, let's uh, let's take it easy. What are you working on there? Are you working on your golf swing? Yeah, right. I think so. What? Well, I've been pretty fidgety today. I've learned. I, I played with this tape roll a little bit ago. This <laughs> vinatieri football. I don't know what's going on. I'm pretty fidgety today. I'm just trying you to. Gotta, you got to pick your uh, your meds there, bro. No. Well, there's a massive water pipe out there with vitamins, and I've been going <laughs> yeah. pretty ham at that. Maybe that is the problem. Maybe that is. The I problem. saw. Yeah, I, th- I feel like I saw something that uh, you know maybe one of your buddies was working with. Yeah, CBD for my bad knees. Yeah, of course, yeah. of course yeah. for that guy. <laughs> Smoke the dope. Wasn't it? Hey, hey guys, it's a plant, bro. That's all it is. That's, That's, all, it is. Is. That's it. Yeah. That's all it is, Aaron. That's all it is. That's all it is. But in this particular state, it's uh, 25 to life. To life. <laughs> <laughs> so CBD, you know, that's all we, we legal. Strike one. CBD. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I remember the no-look pass, and I think I even wrote down in my notes, like, because uh, I think Brett did a lot of that too, right? Wasn't Brett a pretty big no-look pass guy? Like, that was what, almost okay. what he, he was known for. At uh-huh. what point At what point do you start doing that? You're just comfortable? Have you always done it? I started doing it when I saw him doing it all the time. So I started working on practice all the time. And there's a famous story where, in, not famous to anybody, but it's one of my favorite ones about Mike Sherman. Mike Sherman was the coach of Green Bay before age was there in 2005, my rookie year. And, you know, we weren't very good that year. We finished 4-12. and 12. And Friday's practice was like a feel-good – they called it feel-good Friday. Huh. So they wanted me to throw a bunch of interceptions, right? <laughs> Well, no, sorry. This, okay, this is before Feel Good Friday. Feel Good Friday was after. This was Saturday. So Saturday was Feel Good Saturday. And so it was more of a walkthrough speed, uh, but it was kind of jog-through-ish. Um, uh, they wanted me to throw a pick every play, which I refused to do. So what I would do is I told my guys to run a little bit faster, and then I'm going to throw no-look passes like the whole time. So uh, I did about after a few weeks of that, uh, got word down from uh, Sherman to Daryl Bubba, my quarterback coach, that said, hey, tell the rook to stop fucking throwing no-look passes. So I was like, okay, yeah, maybe I'll uh, cut back on this. <laughs> That's awesome. So you actually stopped? Uh, yeah, I just, uh, I just stopped uh, as many. I still you know, had to get a couple in there, but. You know, I whenever I I used to play against the uh, the defense, I was quarterback. Had to read a card. You know, one, two, three. Here, this is where you're looking at. And uh, I threw a pick. I think 100 percent of the plays I played. It was really awesome. 100 percent completion. I, I mean, I was. Helping. They loved you. They oh, loved you. oh, they. Except for uh, New Orleans Saints week, I threw for uh, 4,000 yards when they had Jimmy Graham up the seam. We were running Tampa two every single time. Speaking of uh, the seam ball, 
minute 30 left or whatever, post ball, whatever you ran there, you see the mic, uh, Okariki has to sprint backwards. Before that play even happens and you're throwing that deep ball out of the end zone, do you know that's where you're probably going to end up at with the way the coverage was? Well, there's so much to unpack. Uh, first of all, it's November 24th. Uh, Got to say happy birthday to Jimmy Graham, who just brought up. Uh, uh, happy oh, birthday, happy Jimmy. Birthday, happy Jimmy. birthday today. I think he's got a plane. Uh, yeah, big plane. Yeah, no, give you a, yeah, Jimmy not only has a plane, um, which is a fun fact about Jimmy, but he also has a helicopter. Uh, he re- redid a, a Vietnam-era uh, Huey. And uh, most people know this about Jimmy because Jimmy doesn't do a lot of interviews, um, doesn't like talking to the media, but I uh, respect. Uh, yeah, we like uh, that. I think he, yeah, he's kind of more the uh, money Marshawn Lynch uh, <laughs> mindset. Um uh, he just goes about his business and, and plays. And um, Anyway, so what Jimmy does, though, Jimmy uh, takes uh, a lot of uh, former Vietnam vets and, uh, and wounded warriors uh, up in a helicopter and, and also kids as well. Um, but he's, he does an amazing, uh, amazing outreach work with uh, both his planes, but especially with, or, uh, both his, uh, uh, you know, his plane and his helicopter, but, but really more with the helicopter awesome. um, and does some really awesome stuff down in the uh, down in Miami and uh, love playing with Jimmy. He's a, he's a super, super guy and uh, celebrating him today and uh, going to give him a call later on. Happy but, birthday, Jimmy. But to answer your story, and I said this after the game, I told, uh, I told Marquez on the sideline, I said, there's going to come a time, this isn't the beginning of the fourth quarter, I said, there's going to come a time here in the fourth where I'm going to have to throw one up to you at some point based on how they've been playing it. Uh, because there was, I believe that there was opportunity if I could hold the safety outside to kind of lay one up uh, out there at some point. Didn't get a chance. We had a third and uh, eight um, on our second last drive. We went for a fourth. I threw it to Tanyan on, Tanyan on the play uh, and set up a fourth and one. But if I had drifted a little bit more left, I probably could have laid one up to Marquez. So I saw that again on the uh, on the surface on the sideline. Oh, nice. And just knew that I I should probably take a shot. Now, first down, uh, threw it to Allen. We dropped it. I'm kind of glad he dropped it. Probably would have wasted time and not give us a first down. Um, and then, you know, third and 10 there, backed up in our own end zone. Um, it just it was the right coverage to lay one up there. And actually, I hitched out to the corner route to uh, to Marquez's side just to hold the safety. If you, if you go back in slow-mo, which you guys probably wouldn't be able to do, but um, the safety at the, at the throw point, moves a little bit to his right, which gives Marquez just enough space um, to come down with that. And and that got us going on the drive. Yeah, it takes big gut sack to do that, by the way. Big gut sack to do that. It does. Hey, Aaron, when you're sitting there and you know it looks like, hey, we're going to get the ball back probably down three, end of uh, regulation, when you're you're strapping that old helmet on and your your one-button chin strap that obviously does nothing for protection, (laughs) what's going through your head right then? (laughs) Let's get let's get seven. Um, that's that's going through my head. Let's get seven and in this. Um, that's the big the big mindset. But the little one is let's get a first down. You know we're backed up uh, inside the ten. The most important thing usually in those drives is a, is a positive play on first down, um, which we didn't get one on first or second down. But um, you need a drive starter uh, anytime you're in the two minute drill. I think of a lot of the great ones we've had over the years. There's been a drive starting play, something that kind of gets you going. It gets the first down, it gets the six move, and gets you on the ball. And for us, it was the throw to uh, uh, to Marquez, obviously on third and ten. Came back and hit. You know, after that, two plays that basically Tay and I had talked about on the sideline. I told him I was going to check to uh, the one that involved you know kind of looking off Darius, and the other which was just based on how many uh, 
kind of corners he was running on the backside against against cover two, which was kind of dead dead routes for him. And I felt like if I could hold the front side uh, the front side spot dropper um, uh, in the Tampa two, that I could get back to him on the on the end on the backside, of course, um, with the back scatting out to. In the flat, so we were able to to, to hit that uh, those two plays. One was out of empty, where I kind of came back to him, uh, and the other was uh, um, was out of uh, three by one with him on the backside. He was running a lot of like uh, kind of slant burst corners on the backside, and, and they were just able to double him a little too easily. So we checked to a uh, uh, just an end route there, which was uh, which worked out good. I think the one thing that uh, you know, I, you know it's it's a it's a beautiful game, and that. Uh, there's so many things that can happen every single play. And a lot of times, especially when you have mirrored routes called, it comes down to sometimes guessing right. And when you guess right, sometimes the play looks amazing. And sometimes you guess wrong or you go with an instinct and it just doesn't kind of work out. And then you look at the film back and you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Robert Tunyon was wide open on the backside. On the yeah, mm-hmm. they That's showed what, that. Yeah, yeah they no, showed. Wide open for the NFL. I mean, he was probably two or three years open. I think the safety of his side saw me throw it. But you know, going back to it, I wish uh, I wish I'd you know maybe given Tay something different. It was based off of the previous touchdown at the end of the first half, where we hit uh, Jamal Williams on the right flat. That I decided to give uh, Tay that route because he ran a similar route in the end of the first half, and it was outside leverage on that one. And he stemmed inside, twenty three jumped inside, and he went to the corner. He's wide open. So if I hadn't thrown it to Jamal, if I had worked Devontae's side, it would have been a, a, an easy uh, pitch and catch. So that's why I kind of went back to the same play um, on third down with the clock running, knowing the ball had to go to the end zone. Um, if I had called the same play that I called in the first half and worked to the right, you know, there's a good chance that they run for a touchdown. So it's, it's one of those things that kind of uh, it sticks with you. Like, Hold on. Oh, Hold best on. player for the win. If I had looked the other side, maybe we – I hit Tunyon for the win. Okay, yeah. So I'm literally I'm listening to you digest. I don't know every play you had on Sunday here. So whenever you're, is it traveling home? You're watching the film, and you're just like zooming in on things or going to certain plays, and you're like, ah, oh, we could have done this, we could have done that. Are you talking with Lafleur as well? When does all this start happening, or is this on the field? You're kind of seeing this all unfold, or has this been since the game, watching it all back, dissecting every single little decision that you made? Yeah, it's it's uh, you know. I always think there's so much time to watch the film. I don't. The last thing I want to do is on the plane watch the film. I just it's, I need to relax and kind of flush uh, and, and just chill out a little bit. Um, but there's some guys who, who like to watch it, and so I I just wanted to see that little clip. I think Bakhtiari is watching. I just told him to, to flip to that play. I just want to see what was going on, on the other side. And sure enough, you know, if I had been able to, if I had started right instead of left. Um, you know, maybe I, I'm able to, to look the corner to the flat and throw it to Bobby for a touchdown. Um, also, if I'd maybe given Devontae a slightly different route on that one, who knows what would have happened. Those are second guessing that happens. I think if you look at it from a positive standpoint, we were on the six yard line. We drove the length of the field and kicked the field goal to, over, to overtime. Tim Boyle finally wins a coin toss after <laughs> a bunch of losses in a row. And uh, sure enough, we get the ball. Um, you know, disappointed in the, you know, in the results, obviously in overtime, but. I feel good about our team. I feel good about where we're at mentally. Um, those are games we're going to need to win down the stretch because that felt like a playoff game. Good football team that's uh, been playing well. Um, 
you know, we got another good one coming in. Obviously, the Chicago's been struggling the last four in a row, um, but uh, they got a hell of a defense, and it's going to be a hell of know, a tough challenge. Um, you, I'm sorry, AJ. I just want to talk about the MVS situation because immediately after the game, you handled it in a beautiful leadership fashion, right? I think you actually said, like, shit, I've had fumbles. Like, these are things that happen. And then since then, obviously, there's been one particular reporter in Green Bay that asked uh, Matt LaFleur, how do you live with uh, MVS or whatever? And then he even doubled down on it again. And there, there's been people threatening, obviously, uh, MVS on social media because that's the world that we live in nowadays. How is your conversation with him gone uh, since the game and everything like that? And I would assume he's harder on himself than anybody else at this time. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what any great competitor is. Um, I just gave him a hug after the game and and reminded him that we got in that position to even be in overtime because of the great play he made down the middle. And, you know, what again, every play is important. To, it could be a play in the first quarter that could ultimately – be the deciding factor. Um, we had a third and one. I threw him a, a 60 yard moon ball at the end of the first half. Uh, you know, he's beating this guy. The guy holds him, uh, gets a PI, and sets up a touchdown to go ahead 28 14 and a half. So we're not even in that position without, uh, you know, what he's done. And I was looking, uh, you know, Tom Fanning, who's a PR guy with the Packers. You guys might know Tom a little bit. He's an awesome guy. Um, I've worked with him for a number of years now, and, and he'll give me some stats from time to time that are interesting. And today he handed me a stat, uh, kind of a stat page about uh, Marquez and uh, the fact that he's leading the league in uh, uh, average per reception uh, based on guys with 25 receptions um, since uh, 2018 when he got in the league. Uh, I think he's got the third most amount of uh, 40-yard receptions. Uh, he has... Um, uh, the third highest yards per catch since uh, he got in the league in 2018. Um, and comparatively to some of the great players uh, we've had in Green Bay at, at receiver, as far as 40-yard receptions in the first three years as a pro, uh, he has the most. Uh, or he has the second most, I think. Greg Jennings had some crazy, like, 17 or something. Marquez had, like, 15. Uh, Jordy Nelson, two. Randall Cobb, two. Donald Driver, one. So, I think we need some perspective in this time about uh, about production, uh, where everybody wants to make these uh, uh, knee jerk reactions to things, and and you forget about the facts, as the kids say these days, the big facts, and big also, trust, dog. Uh, you know that there's a human element to this. Like anybody, uh, you know, who is so distraught about this that they need to go to Twitter and talk about killing someone, uh, um, I would suggest that you uh, relax. <laughs> <laughs> what a quote. That's Aaron maybe, Rodgers. Rich. Maybe get on that, uh, that CBD a little bit that my man's on. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> just chill out a little bit. It's a game. We're all, tr we're all trying our best. We're trying to entertain you, but we're trying to also do our best because we have a lot of pride in our performance. Nobody's trying to you know, do anything to fuck up uh, our season or your precious uh, watching <laughs> experience. Experience. So, uh, <laughs> hey, obviously, first off, that was an unbelievable play by the by the rookie Blackman. I, I texted Pat during the game like for, that was an unbelievable play. But I wanted to transition. You mentioned your big left tackle, Justin Takatari. Any uh, any word if he has gotten you a gift yet? And what are you? What are you planning on getting your alignment? I saw you did an ad. You put an ad out there. It looks like you're making progress. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, thank you, um, Aids. I really appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
I don't know what kind of setup that was, but I don't think there's a lot of positivity in that. But um, <laughs> you know, as, far as, as far as Takatari, uh, I just did I just did a little, uh, you know, as part of the FedEx uh, partnership. You know, they asked me like a question they're going to use for internal purposes. I think about uh, uh, what my Christmas wish is, and and uh, because there's nothing sacred anymore, I'll just share it on the show. Oh, nice! <laughs> hey, hey! All right, yeah. Christmas. My Christmas wish uh, was. Uh, for David to get me a gift. Um, now that he's the highest paid lineman uh, of all time. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, I just thought this could be the year, guys. This could be it. Like, let's all just focus our mind and manifest me getting a gift from Dave for the first time ever. I don't need to go through. Actually, I already have the gifts that I've given him um, over the years. We know. But uh, what I said in this, it was that just wasn't the Christmas wish. It was a two-part wish. Oh, okay. And the second part was that when I was a kid uh, and I watched uh, uh, a James Bond movie, Bond before Daniel Craig was fantastic, was Pierce Brosnan. And Pierce Brosnan, uh, among other things, drove an Aston Martin in one of the Bond movies. I believe it was Die Another Day. If I'm wrong, you can correct me real quick. Yeah, nobody knows. Um, But I've always wanted one. And so I thought, this could be the year. My left tackle just got filthy rich oh so rich and i've always wanted an aston martin oh this could be a christmas wish hey if santa claus doesn't show up at that house you know that you just i mean the green bay one obviously because that's where you're going to be but i assumed aston martin came with the house that you bought in california (laughs) i think we all just kind of assumed that that came with it now granted we won't talk about it okay we don't want to talk about that place no uh, because honestly, this isn't DMZ, dude. Okay, uh-uh. <laughs> don't need to talk about it. But I assumed one came with the house. If Talk to Ari wants to make that happen, which I don't even know if I'm allowed to call him that. By the way, he might hate me for saying that, but uh, I hope that's a great gift. I think that's a great gift. You deserve it, by the way. If anybody deserves an Aston Martin, it's you, Bob. Tiki Tari, I believe he looks at the any press is good press. You know, he just any attention is good. <laughs> People are talking about him, fantastic. I mean, look, this is the guy who threatened to not call me a best friend. Because I didn't put him in an ad, in a commercial. Now, and I, I posted it. When you're talking about, you know, the the commercials that he's done, and you line him up next to some other guys who've been in commercials with me, it's just not close. I mean, you have to. If you're in a Cellcom commercial with Matt Lafleur, you got to be better than Matt. No holding. Okay, gotcha. Right back down in there. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think it was bad. I think you judge him a little. A little. Now, granted, Matt LaFleur stole standard this. is high. I mean, look at what Clay Matthews did for years in my commercials. True. BJ Kaji. True. Randall Cobb. True. Yeah. That dog that you, you guys killed, The right? dog. I mean, <laughs> you're, telling me, you're telling me if we got Scrappy the dog or Tikitari, who are you taking? Um, let's talk about the um, Matt LaFleur. Okay. He got punched in the face, I think, by Bob Tunyon twice after a big play this past week. I mean, he likes to get in there and mix it up. What is it? Like, this year, I think we're seeing a lot more personality out of the floor. Saw that commercial. Uh, this year, I think your offense obviously so unbelievable, so he's getting talked about a little bit more. He's 20-5 and five or something like that as a, in his first two years as a head coach right now. Obviously, doing, But he'll mix it up with you guys in there, and that's wild to me. to watch. I mean, he talked about how uh, – Ty talked about how – 
Uh, something good happens on the offense. LaFleur's in there getting punched in the face to celebrate. I mean, I mean, literally, Bob Tunyon, he went after him once, and then I think LaFleur was going for like a high five after the first one, and Tunyon came back again at him and gave him another shove. And then something happens on defense, and Pettin is the complete opposite human being of him, it feels like. Now, granted, we only see his eyeballs, but it looks like there's no movement at all. LaFleur, is he always like that? Is, just a, is that just the type of guy he is? Because I don't think we know much about him or his style. Well, if you want to talk about style, let's talk about style. I mean, this is a guy who's changed the coaching pants from whatever the, you know, khakis they were to Lululemon. Yeah. Let's start there. True. I mean, so the coaches are living pretty good. <laughs> Keep talking about style. You're talking about a man with a well-groomed beard. Great. Yeah. The, right? Yep. Solid. You're talking about a man with eyebrows that are well-groomed. Great. You don't eyebrow. think he spends a fortune on that? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, this this guy he, he knows what he's doing. You know he knows uh, he knows the appeal that he has. Look, Matt's a young guy. He really is. He's he just turned uh, uh, forty one. You know he's uh, he's young for for NFL coaching standards, and he's energetic, uh, which bit him in the ass, or shall we say the Achilles last year. <laughs> um, you know his first year when he tore that thing, but uh, but Matt's got a lot of energy. He loves it. He cares about it. Um, and when you combine that with Nate Hackett reminding us every second of the day to celebrate together and to enjoy each other's company, there's going to be a lot of celebrations, and everybody's going to want to be involved. Well, the thing I respect about Matt is uh, he can relate to the young guys, and he can he can see me and kick an old school and just go for the the, the old school high five. Yeah, you know, because he he knows, you know, just keep it simple. What was his message after the game? Heartbreak and loss, obviously. What was his message? Is hey, this is going to happen in the NFL? Let's move it. Let's get. We got a big divisional game coming. Is it just a standard as everybody? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think anything's ever standard when it comes to post game messages. Um, you know, it is what it is. You know, we turned the ball over four times. Uh, you know, three on offense. You're just not going to win many games like that when you lose a turnover battle by two. And credit to our defense, we turn the ball over four times, you give up six points. You know, that's that just never happens. It's uh, phenomenal how they uh, they came through in some big uh, big moments for us. But uh, that's a game that uh, we had many, many chances to win. I think the third quarter really hurt us. Uh, you know, I think it doesn't get enough uh, uh, maybe examination. Uh, obviously, the end of both halves is always important on, uh, you know, doubling up sometimes or, you know, scoring on the two-minute drill gets a lot of uh, attention. But I always feel like the first half of the third quarter um, is often uh, will show you uh, kind of how the game's going and, and who's going to win the game. And if you look at what happened the first half of the third quarter, uh, we went three and out uh, a couple times and they scored uh, 10 points. Uh, 11 points and they got to two um, and they got right back in the game. So at that point, uh, you know, it was uh, going to be tough for us. And they went down and kicked the field goal. We held them the field goal and we fumbled another field goal. By the time we touched the ball again, we had six plays since halftime and we're down by three points. So um, that was to me, the deciding uh, part of the game. Um, obviously we came back, had a chance to win. I understand I get to all that, but just like I was saying with my answer about Marquez, that was the point in the game where, you know, we couldn't get a first down on offense and didn't stop them on defense uh, where the game went from a two-score game where it had comfortably to uh, um, they have all the momentum. Why do you think it's the, the first part of the third quarter that kind of presents itself as to who's going to win that game? Well, I think a lot of times games are like they were uh, for us. You know, one team has the momentum going in 
and can they carry that and kind of once you get to a three score game you really playing downhill against a team because it kind of can take you out of the run game um and make you really one-dimensional we couldn't do that uh we had the opportunity one drive it was 28 17 and we had the opportunity to go up three scores with a touchdown uh, obviously went three and out but i just feel like uh it's a time where it's much like the beginning of the game where you can really lay down um momentum and confidence uh, coming out of the half it's a time of uh adjustments as well that's when the chess game begins in the second half when teams have adjusted at halftime and and you kind of see if you can adjust accordingly based on maybe things that were slightly unscouted or that you haven't seen for the first half. So I just, I mean, you look over many, many of the games, it's often that quarter which has a direct impact on uh, on the final score. And there's been a lot of times over the years where we've doubled up, you know, we've scored and we've deferred, we've scored in the first half and scored in the first place in the second half and it's gone from a one-score game to a two-score game or a uh, you know, a, a tight game to score in at the end of the first half and then be in the second half, and now you're up two scores, and the whole game uh, has changed. And uh, I've always felt like it's a huge opportunity for momentum and uh, and confidence to swell, and it did for them, and, and that's why they were in the position to win in the fourth quarter. I'm going to take that as my own whenever I commentate games. We're entering mm-hmm. into the part of the game that is going to decide who wins, obviously. <laughs> I mean, that is what we're doing right now here in the third quarter. I mean, I heard a great quarterback say one time from an office in Green Bay, and I couldn't agree with him more. What's about to happen in the next four or five minutes, we're going to find out who's going to win this game right here, right now. True. <laughs> Aaron, first and foremost, great game on Sunday. Great game. Um, we've been talking a lot about coaches who could potentially beat each other's asses because of what happened between Vrabel and uh, Harbaugh. So my question is, if there like a huge melee broke out in the uh, Green Bay like coaches meeting room, who would be the last guy standing and do you think he could take on Vrabes? Vrabes is going to be tough. I didn't what happened with I didn't see what happened with Vrabel and Harbaugh. Ooh. So Titans before the game, all the players go out onto the Raven shield right before the game. And I don't know if that was a plan by the players to get the Ravens players out there for a potential little meeting of the minds. But instead of the Ravens players coming out, Harbaugh came out to talk to the Titans players. And I assume he was saying something like, you don't do that. That's not how you do it. And then Vrabel came in and was basically like, you need teacher players basically to come fight us then if that's going to be. And then after the game, allegedly there was no, there was just a whole, there was a little moment where they were potentially going to fight and the internet lost its mind, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I've known Vrabes for a while. Uh, I think uh, he'd have the advantage on many of the coaches. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Yeah, we agree. I mean, look, we had you know we had a guy. Age, you can back me up for a long time. Um, you know, whether uh, true or not, I, I bet he felt like he could take just about every coach in the league. And I don't know if I put it past him. You know, he Mike was a big boxer back in the day, so um, and he had that that Pittsburgh jaw. So I would uh, I would definitely give him the edge you know i'd say from uh 2006 for sure to you know the mid uh, 2010 decade um watermelon smashing guy yeah mike mccarthy yeah get out there in the rust belt kind of guy <laughs> yeah. i think he and i always felt like the you know the ryan's rex and rob would be formidable in a fight scrappy for sure yeah just scrappy dudes long hair you know look like the wrestlers back in the day um <laughs> I think uh, on our squad over the years, I'm going to go over the years first, Ty, because it's such a great question. You. Um, you'd have to go with Kevin Green. Yeah, as long as he has his elbow pads on, 
in his in his uh, singlet. I feel like you know his experience <laughs> in the WCW would would definitely put him over the top. Um, so he'd he'd be in a good place. Winston Moss and James Campen uh, almost came to blows one time. We you know back in the day when we had night practices, they were always it always got a little wild, um, <laughs> and the fans really enjoyed those moments. But we had some coaches at times kind of go toe to toe. Nothing ever happened. I did hear of a story, uh, an old old story uh, before I got to Green Bay with uh, Tom Rossley, who was the former offense coordinator, and Larry Bechtel. And those who know who Larry Bechtel is know what a legend he was in the coaching ranks. A uh, little dude who, um, a uh, shorter guy who uh, loved to have a dip in, chewing Nicorette gum, and have the <laughs> Nicorette patch on his arm at the same Ooh, time. Smart. So yeah, he needed absolute, all of it. Well, absolute no. legend. But I heard they tried to have some sort of fight at one point watching film, uh, which uh, I'd love for somebody to come forward and tell that story at some point because I heard that was great. But I've never seen any coaches fight each other. Um, it would be fun. I think everybody would stay back and kind of let them go at it for a while. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, on our squad, I think that Mike Smith, former linebacker at Texas Tech, coaches the outside linebackers, would be a formidable opponent for sure. Um, as far as the older, over 50 division, which I think there's only one or two guys on there, Ben Sermons, okay, uh, running back that. coach, mm-hmm. um, seems like somebody who'd be uh, – it would be tough to handle, um, for sure. Uh, and uh, anytime your last name is Butkus, I would guess <laughs> probably good. You probably handle yourself in a fight pretty good. Pretty <laughs> good. So our assistant offensive line coach uh, Luke Butkus, I think, would be uh, somebody well, you want to decide for sure. And big tank top guy too. He loves wearing tank tops. I like that guy. Great name. Great outfits. Uh, is there a Runyon on your offensive line? Is that you guys? Mm-hmm. Is that? Son of is that the relative of Runyon? Because they kept saying John Runyon. What's that? Son, yeah, John Runyon Jr. Yeah, yeah. They never said his dad though. Like every time they said, I'm like, yo, mention the guy's dad because this is unless this. I mean, Runyon's a an, an interesting name to be duplicated at the same damn position. I assume that's and it was never got said. Um, yeah, I'm happy to hear that. A lot of generational. Son, and I think I think a lot of us when he got drafted were hoping for a good dose of nepotism when it comes to. Uh, uh, senior handling the fines uh, because if you've ever been fined, which I've been fined one time, I actually didn't talk to Runyon uh, to John at that point, but um, I think we're all really hoping for a good dose of leniency and uh, good old nepotism, uh, you know, in case one of us got fined during the season. I'm not sure how that's been working out yet, but uh, it could affect or could not affect any future Christmas gift, uh, possibly. Hey, smart. <laughs> smart. Mr. Runyon needs to figure it out for his kid's sake. Uh, he actually, he's, already, he's already got his gift, so uh, that's out the window. Hey, last question from me here. I don't know what AJ has, and we appreciate you for your time, man. You're always so kind with your time here on Tuesdays. Um when you when you have you seen this is my last question I got one before this have you watched Queen's Gambit? Not yet, not yet. Need to watch it. Come on, need to watch it. Obviously, need to watch it. Have to watch it. Have you watched Ted Lasso yet? No. Oh, come on! What are you in the middle of football season, man? This is unbelievable, dude. Do this week, okay? Find some time. Come on. Anyways, um, when you look at the Chicago Bears team, you said they have a great defense, and I was talking to Zito about this and Ty about this before the show. They, you mentioned all these things, but they're on a four-game slide or whatever, and they're the type of team, though, with how good that defense is, and if on offense they can figure anything out, 
and it's a divisional game, like this is a massive game, especially after what happened with the Colts. What is your headspace like going into this game? Division, you win your division, you get in the dance, doesn't matter, here we go, let's keep it moving. What is your mindset, though, going into the Bears game? You just know it's going to be a physical game, um, and it doesn't really matter what the records are. When we In 2007, we went to the NFC Championship game, uh, Favre's last year here, and we were 13-3 and three in, in age members. We lost twice to Chicago. I think they won four or five games that year. So the, the record doesn't really matter. Also, sidebar, that 2007 game at Chicago was the coolest I've ever been. Um, <laughs> it's windy, baby. Hey, AJ, that, can, the season AJ, opening game in Chicago, was that two years ago, was the coolest game I've ever seen. You came out of the cave, you remember? Like Jesus uh, and yeah. saved the Packers. Woo. Remember that? You remember, the first half, you were like dead, something happened. Knee injury. He, knee injury, he's done. You guys are down like 75 points. And then you come walking out at half, and you're like, Oh, yeah, start spinning that thing a little bit, and then bang, 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 come back, we win. Yeah, that was that was a good time. There's been some there's been some great ones over the years, some great matchups. I think about, obviously, the NFC Championship in, in, uh, in January of 11 was amazing. Um, I think about 13 when I came back from my collarbone and Randall Cobb came back from his uh, fractured tibia, same game, and I hit him twice in touchdowns, including a fourth and eight where – uh, John Kuhn, the legendary John Kuhn, Kuhn. Cut, down, <laughs> cut down Julius Peppers. Um, that was, uh, you know, some fun memories. Um, but you know it's going to be a physical game when you play Chicago. Fantastic defense, very well coached. Um, and they got a lot of veteran players over there. So, look, you know, it's going to come down. The division is, uh, you know, everybody lost this week. Chicago was on a bye week. They've obviously had some offensive struggles, but – you know, they had an extra week to work on things. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're expecting uh, one of those good old-fashioned NFC North games. Yeah! Oh, yeah, NFC North, dude. Real uh, slobber knocker, as you always used to say, Aaron, during Bear <laughs> Week. I know you always used to tell me that, and I have to get all juiced. But my final thing for me before we, we, we send you out of here, Ty Schmidt, you know, close personal friend of yourself, you invited him to your house out in California that is allegedly on the beach. If you're out there and you need a slot receiver, I know Ty is ready, but do I need to loan him my shoulder pads and helmet? Are you one of those guys? Do you wear shoulder pads and helmet when you're throwing the ball in the offseason? Great question, AJ. I don't even know where to begin. Uh, I will say that uh, this is definitely a blood ball emphasis week in age. You and any former Packer player can understand what that means. I think we all can. Blood ball. (laughs) We all pretty much understand what that means there. A lot deeper than that even. Oh. Yeah, it's even deeper than that. Um, but age, you also know, and I, I don't know if you're trying to goat me here, but uh, I don't do a lot of off-season throwing. Um, I do enough uh, to feel good about things, but I've never been uh, been a big off-season thrower. I definitely take the first two months off completely of throwing. And, uh, yeah, I don't – look, I don't believe uh, it takes that long. I've never – to get my arm into shape, I've never had a – quarterback coach um you know or quarterback guru smart are you, what are you guys doing <laughs> <laughs> we're looking well, at you good. dude we're very surprised by what you said there man just kind of making sure people know that we're looking at you you know what i mean oh okay yeah that's good guys <laughs> go, back. go back let me finish my answer okay okay good shit <laughs> sorry dude what's going on man? yeah yeah you guys are 
You guys trying to make it seem like that we're we're all three in the same area? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The smoke really from AJ is a little problematic because <laughs> it just disappears right above your head. But yeah, that's what we're trying to do. Is we're all in a I same. think I'm going to do this from the bar next week and, and maybe Ooh. smoke a stogie. Oh! Wow! You can't be an NFL quarterback in smoked cigars. <laughs> can't do it. Anyways, oh, you, okay, yeah, you, yeah. you don't have a quarterback yeah. guru. You didn't have a, you never had a quarterback coach and you don't really throw that much in the offseason? Nope. That's and funny. I don't go after pregame warm-ups. Man. How do you live? The confidence is, is just unbelievable. So you've always been just a great thrower of the football, yeah? Always? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> that's the show, man. All right, Aaron, thank you so much. Good luck. Shane Leckler used to not kick a single ball in the offseason, right? He would just go live his life, and then he would have to figure out how to punt again every training camp and everything like that. And I was always like, man, the amount of confidence on you, I wouldn't have been able to sleep just thinking that I lost it completely. He was like, well, it's come back now 17 years straight or something. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense, Shane. What do you got, Nick? Aaron, you talked a lot about no-look passes and everything like that. Is the pump fake dead? No, of course not. You saw me pump fake last week and run Ooh. one in. Mm-hmm. Hey, get him the jump. Nobody, nobody went for it. I think every week you see somebody pump fake, and a lot of times it works on uh, blitzing defenders kind of coming off the edge sometimes. But I, th- I feel like uh, I'm watching – I was watching film on something. I, I saw Gannon. a few pump fakes, but Rich Gannon, mm-hmm. Rich Gannon, yeah, the best pump fake. Rich Gannon. But no, I mean, I. Uh, what do you mean? I had a I had a pump fake uh, on the first touchdown pass. I no, I know left, you do it. You do it. Ben does it. There's a lot of guys that do it, but I feel like it's the older QBs that do it. Now a lot Whoa. of younger guys only do it on the run. It feels like when they're five yards past the line of scrimmage already. Yeah, I always like the downfield pump fakes too. Those are fun. Um, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm going to keep uh, trying to bring it back, though. I'll uh, I'll be thinking about you every time I pump fake. Oh, oh that's very nice. Wow. Yeah. Um, I'll think, oh, 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 pump, pump, pump it up. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving. Hey, we're thankful for you, man. Thankful for you, dude. Have a good one. Hey, was hey was Rich Eisen show a good time in Rome's good time? Yes, they were. Club. Fuck. I mean, I like him a lot, but I wish you would have said terrible time. Yeah. Really yeah. Really I can't. I like those guys. Yeah, so do we. Uh, we're mm-hmm. actually big fans of theirs. So, well, <laughs> it's kind of tough, you know what I mean? You and Kenny Mayne had a good piece this last weekend. It was awesome. I love Kenny. Do they do they say, hey, we're doing something with ESPN, it's Kenny? No, I, I can tell this quick story. <laughs> no, I can't tell this. I'll yeah. tell it next week. Tease, ladies and So sorry to interrupt, but I want to let you know that the holidays are here. Have you made your wish list yet? Our sponsor today has the number one wished for gift of the year, Manscaped. The best in men's below and above the belt grooming. Manscaped is here to ensure you're taking care of your manhood and your nose hairs with their new performance package. Nice. Ho, 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 fellas, naughty or nice, tis the season to perform, ain't that right? That is exactly right. You're in luck because the Manscaped Performance Package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle and makes for the perfect gift. Imagine opening an attractive box that says your balls will thank you with the most sought-after gadgets and scents a person could find. Wow. Wow. Including in this new package is the Weed Whacker, which is an ear and nose hair trimmer, which is waterproof and uses 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. Oh, my God. That thing's got a Hemi in it? It does, basically. Look, guys, 79. 
79% of partners polled admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff. Why not use the best tools for the job here? This bundle includes the Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer, the best trimmer on the market for your balls, butt, and body. The dads can't stop talking about this. Everybody else secretly wants to buy this, and the women will love you for it. Tis the season of Manscaped to so get yourself, your dad, your brother, and your friends the best gift of all, the Manscaped Performance Package. Let's not forget about their famous liquid formulations either, Ty. Oh, I love them. The Crop Preserver. Yep. Which is a ball deodorant, and their Crop Reviver Ball Toner to maximize your ball hygiene routine. Get the Performance Package now to receive two free gifts, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Love that Shed Travel Bag. Travel Bag is very, very nice. Mm-hmm. Very, Flush. very, very nice. I can't believe that's free. That seems like a bad business move by them, but it is the holiday season, so let's make it happen. The Performance Package is the best value that Manscaped has to offer, and it is hot off the shelves. Get 20% off and free shipping. Wow. With code PAT at manscaped.com. Thank you, Manscaped, for making our holes look damn sexy. Once again, get 20% off and free shipping with code PAT at manscaped.com. 20% off free shipping at M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com when you use code PAT. What are you waiting for? Go whack your weeds and make Santa proud. Pretty good. That's pretty good. Pretty good performance package there. The nose hair thing's tough to trim. I know. I, I need that, too. No, the nose hair coming down pisses me off so much. When you pull it, it hurts like hell. It does. The 9,000 RPM thing has been a life changer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All yeah. gone. And they have uh, nick-free technology. Yeah. So it's insane. Yeah, you can feel safe. It doesn't make much sense, but I'm happy that they took a genre of something and just completely evolutionized it to make it much better, and that's what Manscaped has done. Yeah, about as close to perfect as you're going to find. Manscaped.com, promo code PAT, get 20% off and free shipping. Shout out to Manscaped, shout out to you. Back to the show. Jerry Jones says in an interview via Jane Slater that although he was not in the room for the watermelon smashing, he did get a good laugh out of Mike McCarthy telling him he forgot how much water was in watermelons. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry and Mike, what an incredible couple of men those two have to be around each other. I'm surprised how much water was in there. Jerry's like, it is called watermelon. Yeah, but it kind of sneaks up on you. Those two, what a time. Joining us now, ladies and gentlemen. Two-time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champion, 11-year NFL vet with the Saints and the Panthers. Ladies and gentlemen, Roman Harper. Hey, hey, still doing neck, I see. Still doing neck, I see. We still got a thing going. No, got it. Hey, Pat, can I just give you some love? I mean, the budget must be going out of control right now. The little holographic thing where my thing was going before. Oh. That was big time, boss. <laughs> Jason yeah. McAfee. That's my brother. My brother learned how to make graphics like that. It was unbelievable. Hey, it's not the budget, by the way. It's the sweat equity that's been sweat playing. Equity. Sweat yeah. equity. That's even better. That's even better. That counts for more anyways. How are you, Roman? How's life? What are you up to? What do you got going on? Well, life is good, man. I can't really complain. Uh, Health is wealth right now. Um, You know, working with SEC Network has been a blessing. It's been fun. Uh, Now I get paid to talk about football that I normally watch. So it's really cool to really try to dive in and actually watch a lot more of the tapes and seeing what college coaches are doing nowadays. It's a lot of madness, a lot of craziness. Uh, A lot of the stuff that I see doesn't make sense, but... The more you watch it, the more you start to see a lot of these same things starts to trend a year or so later in the NFL because the same players that are – they just want to bring what's comfortable for whatever they're doing in the college game up to the NFL. And that's why you're seeing a little bit more and more of this spread and more RPO-type uh, offenses because these quarterbacks are being successful all from high school 
to college, and now they want to make them successful when they draft them as well. Roman, what, I, I got out luckily before the RPO became like so. I guess everyone wanted to use it at some point. What, what would it have been like? I know, like, what makes it so difficult for defenders? Whether you're an overhand guy, like, if you're the guy they're reading, what makes it so tough on those defenders? Well, I'll tell you exactly what makes it hard. Put yourself in position where you know we're all. It's all gap fits, right? Well, I have a B gap or a gap. And when the ball comes down, you stick it in the running back's belly. I'm normally I'm going to attack my gap. I want to take space. I want to take the air out of the space. I want to get a negative gain yardage. And you can't do that because the moment you come up, they throw the ball right behind you. And that's usually who they're reading is somebody in a C gap fit or somebody like that where they got a slant or coming right behind you. So you just kind of got to wait on it, wait on it until the ball declares. And there's no more tackles for loss. It goes like this. All you want to do is have your D lineman be able to hold their gap, hold their gap, be able to two gap. Linebackers rock back, so you're always, you know, in a three four fit. You you guys are trying to take on two guys. Linebackers are kind of rocking back off for the cutback, and that's all you can do is try and tackle and stop a run now for one to two three yards. And if you do that, you're good and you're happy. There Roman. are no negative gains anymore. Roman, it's dead in the NFL, though, isn't it? I mean, but Lamar Jackson's been figured out. Kyler Murray, yeah. mm-hmm. it's been figured out. That's what everybody <laughs> is saying right now, you know, because Lamar has a bad game or Kyler has a bad game. And it, it does feel as if these younger quarterbacks are having much more success early because of the college transition. But do you think that is a style of offense, the offense that we're currently living in, both in college and in the NFL, that it does have a shelf life because there's NFL defensive coordinators paid millions of dollars to figure it out? Or do you think it's just it's going to take time to figure out the players to figure it out. Uh, I think it, it's a little bit on the players, too. I think Lamar still has to continue to evolve as a quarterback. I don't think he's at his peak. I think Kyler Murray's just really young and has an extremely you know big-time arm. And they just got to figure it out in Arizona. I don't think Arizona's where they want to be. I don't think Baltimore, with some of the injuries and not having Mark Ingram at full strength this year, also missing Marshall Yonda, that's a big drop-off for them offensive line-wise. So, they're not the same either. And they also had some opt-outs defensively. They're not the same. So it's just, you know how it is. Teams start to figure out. And, yes, the offseason of scouting, what Baltimore did last year is uh, definitely helped. But who's he throwing it to on a consistent basis? And it's not always just, you know, an RPO style. I have to be able to throw the ball and just be able to drop back as well. Uh, that has to also be a part of it. Just the RPO game can't be the main passing concept of your offense if you do you're not going to be doing anything anyways you still got to be able to drop back read one two and three and figure it out hey what's sean payton like i heard reggie bush during the uh their pregame show was showing like sean payton dancing and saying like, oh, i didn't get that sean payton he wasn't like that <laughs> uh, i know when you guys used to go to camp in mississippi i just heard stories about that thing was like the junction boys back in the day i know he definitely pushes you guys like how was it during your time there oh Right, bro. It's uh, it was terrible when we were there. Uh, Sean was such a butthole. He was hard on everybody. There was none of that dancing. There was no music. You only had music in your headphones. And now you see him. He's having fun. I think he's tried to stay young and stay uh, connected to the locker room. He never wants to as as the players get younger and as he gets older, he still wants to have a feel or a connection with his players and always be able to read the vibe in the room. And as long as you have that, you're going to be successful. And he's always trying to. I was there when he first had this whole uh, Club LaSaint experience. That was in Minnesota when they lost on the, the Miracle Hail Mary play, yeah. right? So they had some speakers in there. They were little. He comes in to talk to me before the game, and I'm just kind of in the, the equipment room staying out of the way. And he's like, these are the speakers we got? 
no, that's not big enough. I want big. I want to be able to, I want them to hear us outside. I want them to tell me, like, what is going on in that locker room? Like, that is what I want. I want a freaking club in here. So he went and bought club speakers for himself. And now they got smoke. Now they got lights. It's just continued to evolve over the last few years. But I'm just proud of him. I, I love Sean because I never went into a game ever feeling like I was an underdog. He's the most confident. Uh, I'm not going to say arrogant, but. He's very confident in his ability and being able to get his team ready to go. And he's going to, throughout the week, he's going to tell you exactly the recipe to try and win each and every game, whether it's, all right, a punt is good this week. Or defensively, I need you to keep it close. If we can force one or two turnovers, put us there close in fourth quarter, and that's where we want to see where we're at. So every game you go into it knowing exactly how you want to win. And I, I really appreciated that experience of it. I, I feel like, you know, granted, this is just from outside looking in, and it's nice to hear that he was a complete hard ass, and then he established a standard, and he's like, all right, we can have some fun now. All right, we, we, we figured this out. Let's go ahead and have a good time with it. I like that a lot. But he feels like a guy, and this is what Bruce Arians felt like whenever he was with us, he wants to win just as bad as the players. Like, he's just as competitive as the players. I don't know if he talks shit in practice or not. Bruce Arians used to have a full discourse with the secondary if we were tearing them up in practice. And then him retweeting Roddy White saying, like, oh, they're putting trash Taysom Hill in there. We're going to do it. Like, those little savage moves, I assume that Sean Payton it carries it everywhere. He's just one of the most uber competitive people of all time. So you can call it uber competitive, but I call it petty. Sean is the ultimate petty guy. Like, so so Twitter Sean Payton is who real Sean Payton is. Like the Twitter fingers, that's like real Sean. So he's usually, when he says that, he means everything and he's paying attention to it. And it's just really funny because he and Vilma would always have side bets or we'd be going at each other. And when we were in our heyday, it was a lot of trash talking going on. It was Jeremy Shockey versus Greg Williams always – just crazy stuff being said in that conversation. Yeah, it was always, always John Vilma versus Sean Payton on our Fridays where we do one-on-ones, competition Fridays. So we get five plays within the, the red zone period and offense versus defense, one-on-one. So whoever won that week usually had some money on the bet or the money on the line just to see who no. would do what. So it was always Skittles, fun and com- Skittles, competitive. Skittles and M&Ms, obviously. Mm-hmm. Skittles. Yeah, Skittles. So I said the bet. Yeah, yeah Reese yeah. Cups and things like that. I, I once played a Cornell game for 25,000 Reese Cups. Ooh. Yeah, it was pretty. It was a pretty intense day, you know. <laughs> Big pretty way. intense day on those bags, man. A lot of peanut butter. I mean, to have the fact they have to go get those many Reese's peanut butter. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. crazy. That's where the pressure is at. <laughs> Amen. I mean, Roman, you, you kind of lived through the uh, some rule changes, I think, that put especially guys in the secondary at a huge disadvantage when you're running and hitting. Like, what was it like from when you got to the league to when you finished with how you were able to tackle people? It seems like you weren't able to – the strike zone got so small, and your job, you may be running from 40 yards trying to, to separate a guy from the ball. Right, and, I, and I'm, I love what you said there right there at the end, too, is that my job is to either make a play on the ball or separate man from ball. And that is what is kind of being taken away from these defenders right now. And, and I think it was year around year two and three was when they started to make the target zones and the strike zones where you can hit these guys and trying to take the helmet and contacts above the head uh, to the head out of the game. And now I just don't like it because where are you supposed to hit the guy? And the guy that I'm hitting is usually bigger than me. So I'm already at a disadvantage when it comes to trying to bring this guy down. But now you're saying I can only hit him in – the middle part of his body where that's where all the center of his his gravity and the power is at is right there in the core. 
So if you want to hit a guy, you want to either hit him low, but then I'm dirty because I'm trying to take his knees out. And I don't want to injure the guy. I want him to continue to have a chance to provide for his family, have a healthy career. But then I can't hit him high because you're saying I'm hurting him. So where do you hit these guys? And I think they're really doing a disservice in the college game because you're kicking these players out. Why are the amateur players being punished more than the professional players? And you don't even have players behind them that are qualified or good to back up. So it just really just ruins the whole college football game. And now you have guys that don't tackle, and now they get to the NFL not learning how to play the ball in the air or how to tackle in space. And it's just continued to water down the whole product as a whole for defense and football. Who's the wildly white guy that got uh, kicked out of the national championship for LSU in the first half? He has an incredible name, if I do recall. But he it was like a – it was national cha- – hey, this is a national champion. This kid has worked his entire life to get to this moment. And there was like a bang-bang play. It was like, oh, he's been disqualified. It's like, God dang. Like, if it was malicious. Like, I wish they would take intent into it. You know what I mean? I wish they would, too. I saw Arkansas safety this past, uh, Jalen Catalan. He tried to completely turn sideways and hit a guy, but it still hit him. And the guy fell down. He tried to lay there for a second. Then they threw a flag. And then he just got up, went right to the sideline, was in the next play. And the the safety's disqualified. He was probably their best defensive player uh, on the field at the time. So it's just – I don't know what they're supposed to do. I I wish they would change this rule. It's kind of just – I don't know what to say, though. The NCAA always does things right. I'm mm-hmm. sure they'll yeah. do. What's the guy's name? James Skalski. Yeah, yeah. So oh, one of the whitest Skalski. names I've ever heard. In my life. <laughs> yeah, that, is, that is literally. I knew it because he walked mm-hmm. past me because I was doing the simulcast thing, and it kicked his ass. Like now they're allowed to stay on the field, but last year the guy had to get kicked off of the field entirely. It was a national championship. There's, I mean, thousands. Hey! Of people on the sideline. This kid can't even stand on the sideline. He's like, nope, get his ass in the locker room. He accidentally hit a guy with his helmet. And as he walked by me, I saw him. I was like, oh, that's, that's I think that's the whitest name I've ever seen in my mm-hmm. life. And it turns out it was James Skowski. Hey, he brought the wood, though, that yeah. guy. Hey, uh, Roman, what do you see out of this New Orleans Saints defense that makes you think, you know what? This is a team that can make a run. Obviously, Sean Payton's offense with Taysom Hill, Drew Brees, Jameis Winston, he's going to win. The offense is going to get yards because they have playmakers. I mean, anytime you got Kamara on a squad, now granted he didn't do that much this past week. Latavius Murray stepped up in a big way. Uh, Michael Thomas seems to be back. Anytime you have players on the offense with Sean Payton's brain, you're going to do well. But I think that defense is the game changer for them. I I feel like that defense is unbelievable. And as an alumni, you have to, especially Super Bowl winning alumni, because of how good the defense was and a couple massive plays in the Super Bowl uh, with that defense. You have to think to yourself, like, that D could potentially go on a run, it feels like. Yes, it does, Pat. And I love that this their defense is built different than ours. We gave up a lot of yards and all that other stuff. All we worried about was turnovers. So if they continue to force turnovers, I think it gives this offense, it sets them up. And Sean is all about uh, complimenting football. And the best, biggest complimenting football for the Saints is turnovers on defense getting the offense the ball as many possessions as they want to they want it at an upper faster pace in and out of the huddle so as many possessions as the offense can get they're always going to feel that they can outscore anybody and they're going to try and capitalize on getting touchdowns not field goals the saints defense right now is is great in the fact that they do not allow 100 yard rushers they have they have this like ridiculously long streak of not even allowing a 100 yard rusher so you don't run the ball you make guys pick the ball up and have to throw it and the thing that's really where you're seeing the improvement at, Pat, is that they're not giving up the big, long, explosive pass plays 
like they were given early on up early in the season. They were giving up big, big deep throws down the field and they were blowing coverages. And now the communication aspect's been better. And now they're making people take it the long, hard road. And they're not going to be successful doing that because they don't allow you to run the ball. And the more times you try and throw it and the more times you try and keep up with this Saints offense, that's when guys are making plays. They had a better understanding of what they're trying to get done, play in, play out, play in and play out. And that is where you're seeing the growth of this Saints defense. Not only that, but they're finally getting some pressure on the quarterback. Trey Hendricks, I mean, nine and a half sacks. Nobody would have said this guy would be tied for the lead in sacks coming into the season. I didn't know he existed. He's an animal, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what about Taysom Hill? What are your thoughts on him moving forward? Are we going to see like a, a quarterback controversy? Oh. Ooh. I mean, if you're talking about Jamison Taysom, yeah, that's about it. Oh. It's not going to be between <laughs> Taysom and Drew. Look, when Drew's gone, it's, it's, it's out there. That is why Taysom has this opportunity right now. I'm not all in. I did pour me a cup of the Taysom, all right? Pour me a little cup of Taysom, but I'm not drinking it yet. I still want to see a little bit oh, more. Uh, they come on, dude. Come on, dude. Atlanta, on, dude. Atlanta oh. is terrible. No, 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 no. Oh, they were 3-1 and one with Raheem as head coach, okay? <laughs> they were hot going in there. I'm still on the bandwagon. I love Taysom for what Taysom is. And I don't know if Taysom would even have this opportunity <laughs> if he wasn't with Sean Payton and Sean Payton finding different ways to figure it out and make him available and to this player that he's become the last two and a half, three years. And now he's having the opportunity to play quarterback. And I hope he continues to play well at a high level. I thought he did really good stepping up in the pocket, making some throws on some of those over outs. He showed off his arm strength. He was actually able to throw the ball downfield, which is something that an aspect that the Saints have been wondering and questioning all year long. And Taysom did that. Even though some of the, one that's of the true, throws was true. pretty underthrown, but I'd rather you underthrow it and make the catch than overthrow it and not have a catch. Well, I mean, he underthrew it because he knew the guy was covered and yeah. wasn't going to be able to come yeah. back. It was a smart throw by Taysom Hill. <laughs> that's what team. I thought, too. That's what I'm saying. I, I'd rather that. Yeah, 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 of course. And you did make a reference to, like, uh, don't drink the Kool-Aid, which basically killed an entire cult of people. You know what I mean? <laughs> so you're saying that Taysom Hill is basically this fraudulent cult, basically, which I don't know if I love or hate, but I, I think that second half was something that was very good. What do you got, Connor? Uh, Roman, obviously you're a Saints legend, but you also played for the Panthers, and you played with Cam Newton. Uh, what was he like as a teammate on the field and in the locker room? And also, did you ever try and give him any fashion advice? That last Ooh. outfit. Whew. Like the, I thought he was like the hiking dude, like from the Price is Right. Yeah, you know, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a great comparison. Um, so we agree before, and I had a completely opposite opinion. I thought Cam was a selfish person. I thought he was a me guy because I always saw him flex, and it didn't seem like that. And then I became his teammate, and I couldn't have been more wrong. He's such a team guy. He's a great person in the locker room. He has an infectious personality to where he's always having fun and people just naturally want to be around this guy. And that is probably one of the best things I would say about him was that he, I had a completely different uh, experience once he became my teammate. And yeah, I saw how much he valued winning and how much he put into what all it took to go into prepare his body and his mentality, mental to go in every uh, weekend and trying to uh, play his best and his highest ability. So I, I, I earned so much more respect for him once I became his teammate because outside the building, I had this perception of who he was or who I thought he was, and he was not that at all. Feels like that's the same thing that's happening up in New England right now with the way they talk about him. Everybody loves him. He's been a great leader. Mm-hmm. Everything you, He's been a dream teammate and everything like that. Let's talk about another quarterback here uh, before we have to get to a break here, Roman. Thank you for your time today, by the way, man. It's been very nice of you. Hey, Pat, man, I love the chain, baby. Hey, man, anytime you have me on, I'm always there. <laughs> 
Hey, thank you. What we need to work on, though, is when you start to answer something, I think you take uh, your neck and your hands and just cover the speaker, and then you <laughs> then you move it. You know what I mean? I think we'll figure that out. We'll figure that out as we go. Um, you played against Aaron Rodgers more than a few times. We looked up some pictures of you and him interacting. We're interviewing him in like 15 minutes or so. What are your thoughts on him as a quarterback? What made him great? What What did you think uh, as soon as you saw him the first time you saw him play? And what do you think his legacy will be ultimately? Uh, well, hopefully he can win another Super Bowl, uh, but he'll be the first ballot Hall of Famer just because he has won a Super Bowl, and he, he throws the prettiest ball and is able to do the things that no other quarterback can do when it comes to throwing the football. Uh, his accuracy, his timing, his ability to be able to create, and he was one of the first quarterbacks who that you were so worried of his hard count that you could never stop. If nobody jumps off sides, everybody just go tackle the quarterback or hit somebody because he <laughs> is about to go deep. So everybody just take off running backwards. So that was one of the first things that you always knew. And I have a great story because I was in Carolina and Luke Keekley jumped off sides. And then I was, we just went to run him scrambling and nobody was open and he just threw the ball and he threw it kind of right to me. So I caught it, intercepted it, and of course I wasn't going to keep running. So I ran like 15 yards. I ran out of bounds. And then there's, they go by the ref, and he's over there by me. He said, hey, you like that ball I just threw you? That was pretty good, huh? I said, appreciate it, dog. You know what I mean? Just, you know, looking out for me like that. We we had some conversations throughout the year. So he was looking out for me because he knew it wasn't going to count. So, <laughs> uh, just, you know, making me look good. I appreciated it, you know? So uh, it, it was always fun and games, man. I always appreciate him. Even when he seen me blitzing, I, I, I've sacked him. And he literally turned around to the run back and said, dude, I literally told you he was coming right <laughs> So... It's kind of funny, uh, just whenever you can hear these unique conversations within the white lines of a game going on and still be able to have fun uh, and respect your opponents the way you do just because he's at the top of his game and has been there for so long. Uh, it's just really cool when you actually get to know those dudes on and off the field. I thought about that a few times in one of those uh, you know, free plays that they call it or whatever. Not a bad idea if you're deep and you don't have anybody open. Throw a pick because that person's going to run 115 <laughs> yards. Now you got to hope that your offensive line doesn't try to tackle, and mm-hmm. everybody kind of knows. Like, let them go. You got a corner that just ran a hundred yard sprint, basically. Come back now. Let's put them on deep. I'd be looking right at him. Like, oh, was that fun? Did you enjoy that? That's almost like I did that on purpose for you. I've seen it a couple of times where a pick will happen and there's a flag on the play and you see the corner like running like he's going to go and I wish somebody would be a teammate and be like yo 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 go to this this does not count this does not count at all because corners secondary you don't get a reprieve you're you're in there and I think that's what I've learned most is like wide receivers come and go okay we can run the ball we can hand it off you guys can sub in some out after a go route okay let's tap out we're tired the corners that just ran down there oh go ahead you got to line up once again and you can get caught that is such a condition position it's insane i would be trying to find energy every single second there was available well you kind of get used to it in training camp you get those little you know 40 seconds off and then you just try and get as much breath as you can look i saw the penalty i was not running I ran <laughs> i'm like dude he wasn't finna play me i knew it was better. i knew better if some of my teammates are all celebrating i'm like dude it's a flag relax <laughs> this is fake it wasn't even yeah, it was totally fake <laughs> this is fake ladies and gentlemen from the sec network uh super bowl champion pro bowler ladies and gentlemen roman harper thank yeah. you roman. Yeah. Joining us now as a man is a college national champion and a uh, Super Bowl champion, but we only need to talk to him for one reason and one reason alone. This man's 4-0 on his last four bets, two of them being underdogs to win outright. Ladies and gentlemen, A.J. Hawk. Yeah! 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 AJ, oh! AJ. 
AJ, let's get right to it, pal. Okay, we're ice cold. You're hot. We're not going to go ahead and, uh, and get our egos in the way here. We're just going to follow along with the Hawk brain mm -hmm. for as long as we possibly can. How did you know that the Rams are going to be able to fly into Tampa and get the win without the points last night? What was your thoughts going in, and what did you see from the game? Well, I think my first thing is I didn't really care about the fact that they were flying in from L.A. I mean, they play in California. they got to fly a long, long distance wherever they're going. So I don't really put anything into that. I know there's not really a home field advantage. Although, yeah, there was fans there. They could get loud. It still didn't really affect the game. We hope they all survive. Mm -hmm. yeah. I felt good about the Rams, though. And I felt good about the Rams' D-line, which I thought, oh, hey, they didn't – what, they only sacked him once maybe, but they absolutely felt – Tom felt that all night long. He felt the pressure up the middle, and, and I feel like Jalen Ramsey is playing up the middle. unbelievable right now, and I think that whole defense looks good. Not up the middle. He didn't feel any pressure up the I middle. Mean, nope. Not up the middle. Maybe uh, maybe off center a he, little bit. He felt it. He didn't feel comfortable, that's for sure. Yeah, no, yeah, maybe but, off but not, center. But not up the yeah, middle. middle. No, nowhere near AQ, but I'm saying the <laughs> twist and everything, the stunts that were running around him. Outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go AQ. Um... Bucks still had a chance at the end of the game to go down. Now AQ got hurt. If he's in there, who knows if that's a pick or not? Because Bucks had, Bucks had like a hundred chances. I feel like, don't you think? Like, man, how many times are we going to give Tom Brady a chance to win this game? Yeah, and you know, classic. The interesting thing is, last game of his Patriots career, he's backed up playoff a minute something left. He can go take the team down and win it. Yep. And it was just like Patrick Mahomes. It was just like Aaron Rodgers is and has been for a long time. You just automatically assume Tom is going to walk this team right down the field. They're going to they're going to score. They're going to win. And everybody's going to go, how did the Patriots get this dub? What are we even doing? Instead, pick six happens on his first Whoa. pass attempt. It's over. See you later. It's done. Last night, you see him get the rock with more than two minutes left with a timeout. And you think to yourself, okay, even though this game has not been perfect by any means for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, their defense has not played like they played against the Green Bay Packers since playing against the Green Bay Packers. There is still an inevitability that's going to happen here. Tom Brady is going to walk his team right down, and they're going to win by four, which is what it closed at, by the way, was Bucks minus four, which I would have fought hard for to get a push there instead of a lose of four and a half. And we're going to go about our day. The conversation is going to be the Bucks are back. Here we go. But instead pick with over two minutes left basically didn't even get in there game over kneel it out it's it's crazy right it is very wild what's going on down there in tampa i'm not 100 sure what's going on i don't know if they're broke i don't know if they're going to have a chance to be great i don't think their defense is anywhere near what the saints defense is i just i think is they, they got some question marks down and bruce arians is just you know just dumping it on the players too it's just it seems like an interesting organization down there I mean, it seems very interesting. I saw Bruce's comments, which uh, I'm sure players don't love to hear, but they understand, like, hey, this is going to happen. If we don't play well, like, our head coach is going to call us out, not only in our team room, but also to the media. So you, uh, it's just another way to hold guys accountable, I guess. But <laughs> I don't think they're broke. I think uh, they talked about it pregame, I think, like the unrealistic expectations placed on them with Tom coming in after he's been in, what, he, was he in New England 20 years? Is that right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. 22 two decades. Mm -hmm. two long decades. Well, we didn't appreciate the greatness that was up there between Tom and Bill. And the poll for the day, AJ, you're going to love this. Uh, at Viva Lazito's poll for the day. Go ahead, Zito. What is it? Yep. Uh, do you think Tom and Bill secretly miss each other? 
Question mark. Uh, absolutely not. 9.7%. No. 12.2%. A little bit. 37.8%. And absolutely 40.3%. I think there has to be a conversation amongst Tom whenever Tom's with Tom, I'll buy himself with Tom. And Bill whenever Bill's, I'll buy himself with Bill. At some point, they're like, had it good for 20 years. Had it good for 20 years. We had two people that we could depend upon to do their job at all times. Now, Tom, obviously, new challenges. I would assume that's how he's viewing it because whenever you talk to Howard Stern, they were down 28-3 and other things that he's accomplished. He said it's all in how you frame it in your mind, which I think is something that a lot of super successful human beings is they can take a situation and frame it in their mind as opposed to being uh, an obstacle. It's an opportunity. You know what I mean? Like There's there's ways people do that. would assume tom sees that with the buccaneers like hey this is a great opportunity even where we're at and all that stuff but there has to be a little conversation especially with every comment that comes out from bruce that bill never did i mean granted now is he going to be uh you know tommy foxborough going to be tommy fucking tampa bay too is that that what's going to happen or i assume tom's just cool with this is that what you think aj i mean i'm i guarantee you he's going to say all the right things publicly about it but it can't as a competitor, doesn't I'm sure it doesn't feel good. I'm sure he gets upset. It frustrates him. Maybe it drives him a little bit, builds that chip on the shoulder even more. But don't you feel like last night, though, during the whole game, I, I felt like Tom never like settled in. He never looked comfortable, Ever. never got into a rhythm. There was, there was times and there's flashes of it, but then even his facial expression, like, no it, juice. It, 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 no yeah, juice. it was weird. And I'm like, he just looked frustrated, like, man, what do I, what do I need to do to get this thing going? And he never could figure it out. I felt no juice out of Tom. A couple weeks ago, he chewed somebody out. Last week, he goes, oh, AQ, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he did that, yep. so there was a little bit of juice. This week, I felt like there was no juice. It was almost more like, I don't know, confusion, frustration almost. It was interesting. It was a very different Tom. It was a very different Tom. We talked about it yesterday. He's tired. His bedtime's at 8 o'clock. He can't play these. Oh, God. Hey, listen, Mark Wahlberg wakes up 2.30 a.m., all right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Rock wakes up 4 a.m. Tom Brady goes to bed at 8.30, all right? There's certain things you got to do to be at the top of whatever top you're fucking at the top yeah. of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but when you're playing after your bedtime, you're going to be coming be out of the game. No, they practice at night all week. And it One wore and tore on him until last night. He couldn't do it. Uh, there's more statements coming out from Bruce Arians about the team, I guess, uh, via Rick Stroud. Bruce Arians says, our secondary for the first time, I thought, tackled as poorly as we've ever tackled in that ball game, especially in the first half. We gave up like 70 yards run after catch on five-yard routes twice in a second. That's unbuck like for us. Cooper Cup is elusive. Ooh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Cooper Cup had 11 receptions for 145 yards, and Woods, who's the captain on the team, and so is Cooper. How many captains they got? 12 receptions, 130 yards. Uh, became the first two players in Rams history with 10 receptions in a game uh, and I assume over 100 yards in a game as well that's probably some sort of record Cooper Cup you forgot how good he was I think last year whenever we were discounting the Rams offense whenever he was out his pictures do him no justice (laughs) that is average ass looking farmer guy from next door Mm -hmm. who just like Jordy Nelson just so happens to be this freak athlete he gets that ball. He broke, what, two tackles, two big hits, and then ran away from somebody? I mean, he's awesome to watch. And Wood's obviously very good as well. But I think Cooper Cup, uh, Devontae Adams tweeted, he's the most underrated receiver in the league. And we all know he's uh, first one in, last one out. Yeah. High motor guy. Uh, you know what I mean? Like he's He runs great routes, mm-hmm. okay? Yep. He's never going to make any mistake. He's a coach's son. We know that. He looked unbelievable. And I think that was – not added into the handicap that the Rams are facing last year without having him on the field. They paid him for a reason. He's damn good. Yeah, and he's huge on third down. He's huge like when you need him. I, I, I'm thinking of the play when you started talking to me 
it reminded me of the play last night. I don't even know. It was later in the game. It was a big third down. Remember Cooper? They they re, way went back to it and showed it. He shook the corner oh, yeah. and made him jump inside. Then he catches a little out, gets the first down. Then he shook guys on the sideline again and comes yeah. back. Like this dude, like the route alone was a thing of beauty. Lewis Riddick almost lost his mind when they replayed it, and I, he should have. It was it was awesome. So yeah, of course. Why wouldn't if you're Jared Goff, you're looking for Cooper Cup? I mean Robert they're Woods like. They got studs, man. I was a little bit worried with Whitworth being out, but, hey, they, they looked all right. Hey, the ball came out quick, too. Those five-yard routes mm-hmm. that Bruce was talking about, they, it was like uh, Saints-like. Yeah. yeah. You know I what I mean? Mm-hmm. What about Sean? I mean, Sean McVay deserves some credit. I know people kind of – last year he, he was written off like, oh, he's not a guru anymore. No one's getting hired from his staff. And now, like, Sean McVay, I feel like quietly is doing a hell of a job. Yeah, absolutely. And if you let his quarterback have time and let his offense develop, it's going to – they're going to do damage. If they run into a team, though, that can get pressure, that's always been the problem, is if they find somebody that can get pressure, which, by the way, every team's problem. Every single team's problem is if the D-line beats the offensive line. So mm-hmm. I guess that's kind of a scapegoat excuse to talk about why they stink. It's like, well, you get pressure on a quarterback, you're going to lose a game. It's like, uh, which game is that for? The Rams game. Oh, you mean every fucking football uh-huh. game? That, that is kind of how every game operates. Last night, though, was a weird game to watch, man. It was in the the. It was mentioned before the show, I think, by Connor. We've talked a lot about how if you're a good faux enthusiasm guy, this year's your year. Okay, like if you're a fake enthusiasm guy, this is a big year for you on a team. I had great fake enthusiasm at all times. I, I mean, it was always, hey, we're about to have Woo! the greatest meeting of all yeah, time. Yeah. Hey, this this practice. Hey, boys, you're wearing pads for the 11th time this year. It's week 12. You're all miserable. Guess what? You boys are going to be thumping out there. Yeah. You boys are going to be thumping out there. Win the game. And by the way, you don't. We'll restart that motherfucker from the beginning. We're going to have a great day. This is going to be the best practice of all time. Let's go, boys. Let's go. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. Man. Oh, oh, no. It's my fault. Oh. No, it's my fault. Oh, okay. Yeah, so. This year, I would have thrived, by the way, with the quiet sidelines mm-hmm. and yep. those things after a big play. Best catch I've ever seen. Yeah. Best catch I've ever Woo. seen. Cooper Cup. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I mean, it would have been – it felt like the Rams sideline. And, and people were talking about the Lakers bench, right, Dwight Howard. Remember mm-hmm. how much juice they were bringing into the bubble? Felt like that Rams bench knew what was going to happen that whole game. They felt like they were alive. And I would assume that that's – you know, that little bit of juice has to help just a little bit, I'd assume, whenever you're playing in front of next to nobody or at least none of your fans, you know? I mean, all it did for me listening to you go on right there was just realize how grateful I am that I was never your teammate. <laughs> <laughs> what do you because mean? Because that would have been great. Like, it would have been funny going back and forth with you a few times, but then there would be multiple moments where I'd be like, Pat, this is not the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, well it's, it's interesting you say that because Robert Mathis actually uh, – one of his big lines about me is uh, uh, he commented on my uh, Instagram just a couple of days ago, and it was what he said a lot. He said, uh, this, this motherfucker finds a way to be funny in inopportune times. <laughs> something like that, like when it's not supposed to be. Something's terrible. Everything's bad. Very quiet. Boys! You know what I mean? Just one little, somebody's got to crack it. You know what I mean? And this is Dequel Jackson and I. You and I probably would have the same conversation Dequel Jackson and I had. Where DeQuell goes, is this every day? I'm like, cool. Every day, baby. This is going to be every goddamn day. Because I want to let you know, I don't like being here all goddamn day either. So <laughs> how am I going to survive? If I'm not like this, I don't know how. It, it kind of sucks for you guys, but we're all we're all in this ship together. Let's, oh, go, yeah. let's go ahead and do it. It was, I, Oh, man, it would have been awesome. Now, Tim Mastay, 
whenever Aaron said he wished we were teammates or whatever, Tim Mastay was with the Colts, right? Uh, in training camp, he and I went. Then he went over to Green Bay, and he became your guys' kicker for our punter for a long time. I don't think Aaron was saying that he wished I was in Tim Mastay's place. Just that, you know, he wished we were teammates. Got to experience in a different. Tim Mastay was a super cool guy. I love Tim Mastay. He and I were roommates at a college kicking camp or whatever. He and I very different human beings. Okay? <laughs> I would assume there's not a lot of punters that were. Uh, handled themselves day in and day out like I did, AJ, I'd assume. Yeah, and very, you're both very unique in your own way, too. Like, Tim, there's not a whole lot of punters that are like Tim. And Aaron gets along sure. very well with Tim. I think Tim's the man. He is so funny, so Me regimented, too. so disciplined, a, uh, a true professional. But, yeah, Aaron, how many punters do you think Aaron's played with? He's played for so long. Like, he's just saying, in, in the long line of his career, it would have been nice if you were on the team at one point. By the way, I thought it was potentially going to happen this weekend. You know, J.K. Scott has yeah. a personal matter on yeah. Saturday. Need a punter in Indianapolis. It's like, yo, I'm going to fail for the vitamins <laughs> for sure, but they're not suspending people anyway, so that will just put me back in the substance of abuse policy. If I only got to, if I only got to play for one week, bro, I don't care. Like, I'm just out of an off. I retire on Monday or whatever. Now, granted. The Packers would have had to have Chris Ballard release my rights to them <laughs> to play against the Colts today before the game. Thought that wouldn't have been possible. But whenever I saw that was happening, I saw a lot of tweets. I started doing the old, mm-hmm. uh, I could give it five. How's what's, it the, what's the most punts we're going to have? Five with Aaron? Maybe. Most. Max? I could probably swing that. Back in the stadium's going to be closed, too. Hey, I could probably. <laughs> you no, know, where's my helmet? I could probably. And then every time I watch a game, and there's a punter who has his like heels on the end zone or whatever, and they have that back shot. I just get so nervous. I'm like, ah, fucking, there's no way I should be out there right now. I would go out there and I, ah, oh, man, this is so much better from over there. But <laughs> you're just watching this whole thing. I mean, they could have used you on Sunday. Well, that would have been nice. JK had a rough game. He did. He did. And you know, home field advantage for you. You're comfortable out there. You wouldn't have had your your heels on the <sighs> on the goal line. You wouldn't have to worry about that. There's a, awesome. There's a there's a couple people in the end zones. Because we have suites down on the the one end zone, and then there's people on the front row on the other side. Anytime we had a backed up punt, I heard the exact people. I knew exactly. Come on, Pat! <laughs> I turn and this big guy. I'm like, yeah, I got you, man. All right. I mean, I'm very. I'm gonna need a big one here, by the way, because if not, you know, probably paying me too much to do too little. But I appreciate <laughs> you there, sir. And then other stadiums, whenever you're backed up, oh, it is electric back there. Just the most. Vile things are being said to these punters. <laughs> and there's just media members just completely along the bottom there, just soaking it in or whatever, and nobody even says anything about it. Over there in Oakland, the things that are being said oh. during warm-ups were awesome. I mean, I absolutely love – they were despicable, but I absolutely <laughs> – I like that type of thing. I don't know if I could go back. It's like a couple years ago when I was thinking about going to kick for the Bears. Then I watched, uh, which, by the way, I didn't because the knee blew up. I would have had to compete for the job. It wasn't like they were just going to hand me the job. Colts, Chris Ballard said they were going to have to trade for me, too, if they want to get. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that would have had to go into, into fall into place or whatever. Then I watched the opening game or whatever, and a guy jogged out there to hit, like, a, a game tire or something. I'm like, I, I don't need to be in that position. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to be. The, the amount of pressure and weight that you just have on your shoulders there. And it, imagine me dropping into a facility acting like that, AJ. All right, boys, here we go, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Coaches would be like, get that fucking guy out of here. Cut him. Cut him immediately. Players would be pumped, though, especially like the young guys, because they've probably grown up with you. Like yeah. they, over the last four or five years, they're like, hey, I remember watching this guy when I was in high school. Now he's on my team. Yeah, that would be like, that's like Vinatieri. You know, Vinatieri is like, uh, you know, dad age for a lot of the guys there mm-hmm, at the end. Yeah. And they're all just like, man, I played, 
I played blah, 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 you were on it. I played blah, 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 you were on it. You were the best, dude. Can you sign this? And he's like, yeah, you got it, man. It's like, is that weird for you? He's like, it's a lot better than being hated by everybody. <laughs> yeah. Good call. True, yeah. Good call. What's up, Dick? Uh, speaking of enthusiasm, would you guys have had a lot of enthusiasm if uh, your coach was smashing watermelons in the locker room? Oh, yeah. Did Mike McCarthy ever do this? By the way, T's and P's to everybody in Dallas Cowboys organization and Marcus Paul's family. You know, it, it obviously sucks, but maybe this makes them realize, like, hey, we got to come together a little bit more, especially after the win against the Vikings. The big storyline of them beating the Vikings has been Mike McCarthy taking a hammer out, okay, hammer out before the game and going, boys, listen, okay, these Vikings are supposed to be good. You and I both know exactly what they are. On the outside, they're hard. On the inside, they're soft. Give me the fucking watermelon. Bang. That's <laughs> How do you, is this what Mike McCarthy was like the night before the games? Is this normal? Is this no? I wish so bad that I was in there. Oh, my God. It would have been magical to be in there. I, I wish so much he would have had props like this in Green Bay. The place would have gone wild. Honestly, if, he would have, if all of a sudden he's talking and you think he's about to wrap it up, and then all of a sudden you see like a, an assistant bring out a, – a, a wheelbarrow full of watermelons and a sledgehammer, and then all of a sudden, did they tarp off the first like six rows like they used to do for Gallagher? Yeah, I think they had the uh, I think they had the splash zone uh, things on or whatever that is. Yeah, I think that's he what has they to do it. He has to continue though. They won. They beat the Vikings. Therefore, he's going to have to one up himself. I don't know what he's going to start smashing now. What were his night before the game speeches like? He gets very emotional, huh? That feels like he rides the wave a little bit of the team, or how do those go? Yeah, and that, that going back to their strength coach, obviously terrible situation. And you knew when they canceled practice and his his uh, press conference, I'm like, man, this is not good. Obviously, it's something pretty bad. So, yeah, it's terrible to hear about their strength coach passing. But with McCarthy, I, his meetings the night before games were always, like, centered around a story that usually had some tie into Pittsburgh, some tie into his dad or his mom or his grandparents or somebody oh, yeah. in Pittsburgh. He would talk about different areas that he would be driving and – different stories and what was going on and different kids he would describe them but it was always like kind of a family bring you together type thing so uh never had the sledgehammer and watermelons but i would have been all in for that oh me too man could you imagine that room they said the room went crazy i'm like no shit (laughs) your head coach is up there banging watermelons with a sledgehammer dude i would lose how much juice think how much juice Big Mike got though after he brought after he like got the sledgehammer in his hand and the you know the whole room just lit up and he started feeling it then and he's okay okay and then he's trying to Billy throw me some more of them watermelons and they're throwing them from the back like it would have been amazing immediately afterwards by the way I don't know if they get a snack anymore because of COVID rules or whatever or if they have to just go right to their meeting rooms okay and somebody yeah from the team or hotel has to clean up all the watermelons exploded everywhere Mike McCarthy's walking out of there with an assistant. He was like, nailed it. <laughs> nailed it. Boys going to win tomorrow now. Can't thank you enough for choosing to listen to this show. Okay? Aaron Rodgers, thank you for your time, man. Yeah, great per usual. If you're around and you want to send a tweet out to Aaron Rodgers saying thanks for his time, we would greatly appreciate it because we're very lucky that he does it. A.J. Hawk, Roman Harper, all of the boys, uh, and all of you. Uh, we'll be back for an incredible tomorrow Wednesday show. Oh, yeah. I mean, loaded show. Loaded show. Mike Allstott's on the show. Whoa! I I wasn't going to say it, but I'm very excited. And plus more guests. So be a friend, tell a friend if you enjoyed this. And if you didn't, just act like it never happened. Ty Schmidt, please play some independent music and let these people know that they should have an incredible Aaron Rodgers Tuesday. And we'll see them tomorrow. 